All right, Cleveland Boat Podcast is running. It's easy for me to say I've been drinking. Uh, March 22nd, we have uh, re-entered the... Uh, is it 22nd already? The despair yeah. phase, when spring has officially technically sprung. However... However... Yeah. You old man winter. You got one sort of nice day and you thought it was going to happen. I know. Yeah. Spring has sprung, no. but winter uh, hasn't got the notice. Nope. No, no. They're trying to prove a point. Again, this is what we do. Um, a lot of people have heard about the term of Indian summer, right? Uh, Indian summer. And uh, I like to call it Native American summer. But right. hey. Indian summer. And this is <laughs> what Indigenous I call... Indigenous people summer. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is Inuit <laughs> spring. Yeah. Now they, uh, so tonight we have a guest in the house. Actually, you've been here before, though, talking about Inuits. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the Lost Podcast. <laughs> the Lost Podcast. So mm. to my immediate left is? Ryan Mackey. Ryan Mackey. So he's going to give us some, uh, this is a tech-filled, I mean, this is top tech tips from Cleveland Moto. If you've never paid attention to a podcast before. Good. Or you've given up early, <laughs> don't skip this one. It gets better, I promise. And to his left. Oscar. And to his left. Steve Hoffer. And? Johnny Mack. And? Chris Smith. Pete Hamfling. And your humble narrator, Phil Waters. And a big shout out to our man in the field, in a hospital bed, Johnny Chrome, who I think uh, might yeah. be getting discharged tomorrow. Yeah. So we're hoping he makes a phone call. If he calls in, that's great. If he doesn't, more power to you, Johnny Chrome. Uh, again. Has he been discharged or evicted? <laughs> they, <laughs> Uh-oh. You, you're not allowed to be here anymore. They, uh, they tried yeah. to give him an addictomy and he wouldn't take it. Oh. <laughs> that's fantastic it is a good one that's brilliant uh and again in the spirit of all things carbonated yeah there we go that's and they're off oh that Ooh, that is a weird pairing lining kugel's orange shandy following a, an amazing bourbon that was intermediate round of somebody's homemade black plum brandy Andy. wow Really good. Man, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches on this end of the table. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that we've learned in our pre uh, show an odd pairing is lining kugels and beer. Lining kugels and beer is a strange pairing. <laughs> That's just me. Yeah, this one is, uh, this is sex in a canoe and uh, with oranges. Because there's a canoe on the bottom, on the can. There's actually, you can see oh, yeah. some uh, Native Americans paddling there. Yeah. Taking three, Painting the picture. Taking four right, strokes and shooting yeah. across the creek. Theater of uh, mind. <laughs> But we did learn in the pre-show uh, warm-up that, in fact, John McElfresh is going to be changing fuels. And I was, I'm, that's something. Changing fuels? He's changing fuels. He's no longer going to run in the rye, nope. bourbon. bourbon. I'm out of that spectrum. <laughs> scotch. No more scotch. I'm going low test, pure. Like. <laughs> You basically down beers about as yeah. much as I can handle anymore. It's it, that's an interesting. It's a real. It's a realization that you make. I've forsworn it. I don't like it. It Is goes it? sideways every time I drink it. Hey. We're not friends. Carbs, bro. Well, <laughs> I drink clear liquors, rum. And what I just rum. said, two. Well, I want things to taste delicious. Whiskey Tequila. is. Yeah, with tequila. Man, you get I'll do a margarita, especially a mango margarita. Yeah. Well, whiskey Ooh. is to Johnny McElfresh what hydrogen was to the Hindenburg. The wrong fuel. <laughs> yeah. The wrong lifting element. The wrong chemical. It, it, it does end poorly. It's great. It's majestic. It and there's a lot of love in the room. There. Well, it looks the great. Come in. Lifting, I'm it? too big yeah. for people to carry me home, so I shouldn't be drinking stuff like that. It's fair. I mean, that's a good, I mean, that's yeah. a hell of a thing. 
It's uh, I discovered mean, my one buddy, you know, Eric drinks a lot of. Yeah. He used to drink a whiskey all the time. Mm-hmm. I can I just, just watch him get smashed and fucked up, and then have bad relationships with his wife, and I don't want that. Yeah, you don't want a Do bad relationship, relationship with your wife. I literally, and then he starts, <laughs> then he starts falling all over the place and yells at me and says, "I threw him around." I'm like, Eric did not touch you. You just literally went headfirst into your dishwasher, right. right? It wasn't even part of it. It was trying to start a fight with you when you were here, right? Where you guys were saying you were going to fight. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. He said your the original the original offer was y'all were going to fight us. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> right. As I like to say, you, and I meant it to put that through <laughs> yeah. to put that through the Appalachian transfer. Y'all were going to fight Yuns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and apparently they did. And apparently they did. And I and I, I could tell. I could look in your eyes, and I could be like. He's not fucking around. Mm-hmm. They're ready. Like, if you guys would have had a unitard between you, you'd have been wearing it. Because it was, like, game on. Like, you were like, move this table out of the way. Let's do it. Let's yeah. throw down on a hard concrete floor. Surprisingly, we went down yeah. to Smitty's, and we were not all rowdy, and yeah. everything went pretty smooth. Chill the fuck out. Smoothly. Yeah. We ended up playing some pool. Mm-hmm. Really nice band. or Live band? Live band. Was, I mean, Smitty's seven days a week. As usual, band. man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, we were. We got some tater tots, and that was good. Yeah. And then when I puked them up the next day, no. times, not so good. they were not so good. They weren't so good. Yeah. That's the thing. I just don't really need that. You don't need whiskey. I don't need no. whiskey. No. I'm it, happy with beer. Yeah. It or is the, a nice rum drink or something like that. It is a space shot. I mean, that's the thing about whiskey for you. And as I said, call me Camaro. I'll take like a white rush. Yeah. No, dude, your name is Mecklefresh. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's just let's just call it what it is. Yeah. You could very well be allergic to whiskey. I might be allergic to alcohol. Even when I drink beer, sometimes yeah. I get like the... Eh. Yeah, yeah. you might be... I mean, based on your people and your heritage, <laughs> that might have been part of why <laughs> you're not in Scotland <laughs> anymore. There, was like, some... there might have been a whiskey problem at home. Well, okay. Sounds like you're allergic to beer. Now you bring it up. <laughs> yeah. We did have a number of relatives that See? spent most of their lives in a sanitarium. Right. So- Scotland might have said, there's too much mackerel fresh for this little island. You guys need to go find Be a gone. bigger island. There were my grandpa's yeah. brothers and stuff like that. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. that was one of those ones. Yeah, and my dad's like, family was just as bad. Go to America. There's less whiskey. But there. you just have to fight through it. He had two yeah, brothers who, <laughs> there who died of blown out kidneys at See? Like forty. Yeah, that's not. Oof. That's but not good. but now wait a minute. But that makes for a stronger generation further down. So mm. your kidneys will last to forty eight. Sure, no forty nine. No, assuming they didn't reproduce prior to forty. Also true. Well, no, That's they true. can pass it through. They're Scottish. <laughs> no, you got to die Scottish. like when you're 12 to make it stronger, to make them stronger, to make the generation stronger. I had a cousin who was just ridiculous. I have, there's a lot of alcoholism. Yeah, in the family. So I think, yeah, I think maybe shutting down the whiskey valve, turning the whiskey valve down might be a good move for you. Negative on At least until band camp. Well, oh, fuck yeah. No, no, yeah. no, 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 it's probably... This way. If I never drank another drop of whiskey, it wouldn't hurt. Mid-high? I went through a period of time where I said, I'm only going to drink shit that is absolutely delicious. Yes. Right? It's got to be straight up like crazy delicious. This stuff is absolutely delicious? No. Well, you got to think about it. I mean, that that is really good. And like I said, threw a couple of drops of water in it, and it yeah. just turned it right up. It... it it amplified it. Was that when you came to my Christmas party the one year and you were drinking um, twisted tea? I, I brought a case of twisted tea because I was trying to turn down a bit of a drinking issue I was having. Oh, and I thought maybe because it was delicious. The twisted tea, I wouldn't drink much of it. Okay. Yeah, because the diabetes would slow you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the liver can't take, the kidneys then kick in and go, now hold on. <laughs> so, now, yeah. just wait a second. That's what they do with Phil's, Phil's like... seizing up on the floor over there. <laughs> well, He's not drinking. I learned a long time ago, like, the Bolivian marching powder, and I do not agree. Like, that's one thing that I can't ever be around that again. Because that's, 
<laughs> no, no way, man. Uh-uh. No, no. I'm, I'm already the way I am. I got a certain somebody who keeps telling me, "Come on, I can call Elvis. I can no. call Elvis. Don't no. call Elvis. Don't call Elvis. Don't ever call Elvis. That's a <laughs> as very much as bad I'd like you to call Elvis. Right. Don't call Elvis. That's a bad thing. There are things that you know when you should never be near him again. There you go. That's that's how you know. Yep. There's just a way that you shouldn't ever go ever again. I got tech tip number one. Tech tip number one. Know what you're bad at. That sweet numb tooth. Yeah. yeah that's a, <laughs> so we did talk uh, in the show notes. A couple of things that we wanted to cover is. You know, waking our bikes up, first of all, if you listen to the podcast, you'll know that in 60% of the United States right now, people are getting out and riding motorcycles. Uh, the other 40% have it made. So, except we're counting the country by volume, in which case Alaska will wake up about August. And poor bastards will live up there, more power to you. Uh, we really do need to give at least five minutes to the correct way to wake up your motorcycle. Because we have four or five bikes in the service department right now that have been woken up incorrectly. Mm. On the wrong side of the garage? Yeah, the wrong side of the garage. (laughs) Yeah. So the first thing that I can tell you is if you are not certain that the gasoline in your gas tank is less than six months old, get rid of it. Just unless unless it was boat gas, unless you put RV gas or some other type of non ethanol you know, non 87 ingredients pump gas in your vehicle, if it's over six or seven months old, just save yourself a lot of trouble and just get rid of it. Siphon it out, drain it out. You will be happiest and your bike will be happiest if it's not taking its first gulp of fuel in the after a long winter's nap of something that is no longer really gasoline or has way too much water in it. Uh, we've got bikes that I'm fairly certain might have had a chance to be running if they would not have been started on really, really old gas. And it's one of those symptoms where the guy brings it in and he wants to show you, oh, it almost runs. And he's sitting there and he's holding that starter button down for like 97 seconds as he's overheating his battery and all of his charging components. And he, then he lets you know that he's done that four or five times at Every the house. Every once in a while you get a little... <laughs> yeah, and you get a little fart. <laughs> when you let off the starter button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Almost there. <laughs> Go so ahead, I, Steve. So I bought this... Uh, I was looking at the CX650. Oh. And I go to the guy's house, and he's like, it'll start. I'm like, don't even try to start it. I'm like, it's okay that it doesn't start. I'll give you, we made a deal. I'm like, just don't start I'll give you an extra $10 if you walk away from this fucking bike right now. Right. And don't keep trying to start. No, it'll start. I'm like, please don't do that. Don't ruin my bike. He put that starter on for like two minutes. Oh, my God. I would take my money away and the starter just fried. (gasps) Luckily, a, C, a, a GL500 starter fits on it, yeah. but and I had four of those. But it was so stupid. I lost a starter because the guy because would the not guy was listen. being hard headed. Did you drop yeah. the price? I say you should renegotiate the price at that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 I did. I dropped it hundred bucks because yeah. I said, "Hey, you just burned out the starter." Right. And he's like, "It started before. It started before." I'm like, Ugh. "And now it doesn't." I'm going to buy a starter for it. How about a hundred dollars mm-hmm. less? And he's like. Just get the thing the fuck out of here. Good answer. Yeah. Excellent. Since your attitude's that way, yeah. then I'll take all my money back. But I, I deprive you of this anyway. thing. I don't like the slopiness of them. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We call that Asian. Asian. <laughs> Asian. Speaking of swayback. No, back. I mean, I like the GLs. They're, they're like standards. Oh, Speaking okay. of swayback bikes. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, uh, I got a freebie I'm picking up tomorrow. Oh, what? really? Yeah, Twin Star. Twin Star. Uh, yeah. That a is twin, a slope back. I have yeah. a Twin Star. This is yeah. a free Twin Star. Free Twin Star. I'm okay. driving somewhere near Youngstown to pick it to up. To go pick up that. Hey, while you're there, can you? Yeah. <laughs> I can, probably. No, yeah. I'm kidding. Unfortunately, the... Uh, it has a huge fairing on the front, too. Really? Like is it a Prince in the Purple Ring? I was envisioning pictures. A what? CM with a giant Vetter on the front. It's yeah. not a Vetter. It's like oh, it a, it's a is it anything a be, because <laughs> of the because of the architecture that Mike though any kind of fairing that's out there is gonna like right. be like oh, predominant. Exactly. It's one of those ones if you grab the front brakes hard enough, it just stands straight on its nose from all that fiberglass. <laughs> and you fall yeah. into it's like a bucket. You fall into you fall into it. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a face paint on face? Face print on the inside of your plexiglass windshield. <laughs> oh my God, that yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, and that is like a Bates windshield. Oh no, that's a that's a faux Bates. That is a weird brand. Yeah, that's. Ooh, uh, I don't recognize that, and that's a bad sign. That's like plastic. No, that's plastic, and it looks like it was styled after looking longingly at it's so, a. It's so bad, it's cool. It's like it's <laughs> styling is that of looking longingly at a German bumper car for way too long. <laughs> If you were going yeah. to paint that, the perfect paint job for that bike would be like the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. The front part is like yep. the nacelle, and then yep. like oh, okay. the back. Like, okay. I yeah. might work for that. That could be like. But a you know, with door. that front drum brake on there, you're not getting in any trouble. You're not getting yeah. any Twin trouble. Star, you're yeah. not going to worry about it breaking any laws. And with a giant, giant windshield in front of you, nobody can see you. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> safe. That one's yeah. probably just going to get broken down. Mm-hmm. I was thinking this is like your daughter's perfect like starter bike. I have one. Okay. This is my second one. But okay. do you, but he likes this his one. daughter, and this has a drum brake on the front. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's right. true. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, Does just, it start? I you have no idea. Again, I, mean, I didn't ask many questions right. when it was free. And, right. I, and I know, does it have a carburetor on it? Yes. Right. I need a carburetor. Check. I need the carburetor. Right. Does it have side panels? Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. well, I'm coming know. to get it. Yeah, it's worth the, the price gas of gas. The gas tank is apparently rusted to fuck. Yeah, well. But yeah. I have a good gas tank. And I know another person who has a twin star, so. And a lot of different gas tanks fit on there. hunt off. Yeah. I mean, what's a twin star motor if you put it on eBay? Right. Yeah. Do, we have, do we know anybody has a Virago that um, needs a donor Virago of a similar ilk? <laughs> donor Virago. <laughs> my buddy Kevin wants to yeah. buy a Virago. For well, there you reason. go. Tell yeah. him to come. Give him my number. Tell him to come and see Get me. Get in touch with us. It's again. It's Cleveland Moto at gmail.com. Title free. Cleveland Moto at gmail.com. It's unencumbered by title. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hang a name on me or this proof one of has ownership. A title, but it's jacked up. We'll see. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter either way. I'm breaking it. Right, right. No <laughs> That's kind of where the argument too. But yeah. The uh, so waking a bike up is. I'm going to say the best thing that you can do is settle the fuck down and creep up on the situation. First things first. Four days before you want to wake the bike up, yeah. make goddamn sure that there's some sort of a life support system on that battery. Mm-hmm. Not an hour before. Do not, one hour before opening up your garage door, go out and put your 50-amp car charger on this thing. Or uh, better yet, just jumpstart it with your car. Right. It's the, that is like your electronic ignition is going to love that. It's going to love that. As soon as the, you're right. starting it up, it starts up, and then your cable pops off, and now you're, you're running on zero electrons. All I'm going to suggest to you is, we've said this before in this podcast, treat the first start of the season like anal. Lots of lube? Take it slow. Oh. And lots of lube. Right? <laughs> Creep up on it. Lots I of like lube. Right. <laughs> Whatever. But go, go to a nice dinner first. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 
I'm going to treat you so good this year. You have no idea. And did I mention it's my birthday? Uh, it is super, super, it's the most important start of the year for your motorcycle because regardless of what you've done to it, there is hot and cold happening in your garage if you live anywhere that it gets really, really cold at night and really, really warm in the daytime. That's going to create condensation. That's inside your motor, and it's water. This is maple syrup season. It is maple syrup season. 20 at night, 40 during the day. It's exactly right. It's moving. It's set. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is also creating a ton of water up in your valve covers. Yep. And that water is not, you know, going anywhere. It's sitting there, and it's creating oxidation on your metal parts. Your metal parts that are up there with valves running against them do not have a coating that is going to protect them because they live a life of metal on metal. And they are prone to corrosion. And when you have this corrosion on there, corrosion, we said, is oxide. It's a fucking abrasive. What's in sandpaper? Oxide! Oh. Great. And there's aluminum oxide, and there's iron oxide, and there's all kinds of fun oxides. But what they all have in common is that they are sold to you as abrasives to push through your, you know, sandblaster or to stick to a piece of paper and call it sandpaper. So all these oxides are all a result of this oxidation that's happening inside your motor when you have this foreign substance, water, that's in there and it's evaporating and doing the things that water does. So we want to help ourselves. If you haven't been running your bike every 20 or 30 days, because I know I haven't, you know, there's bikes in my garage that have not fired a shot in anger since October. And how many people fog their bikes? Exactly. I if only have one bike I can run, the KLR. Everything else, I either pulled the battery out of or... <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. happening. Right, yeah. So everything needs to be woken up, right? So put the battery tender or the battery charger. You know, you've got this thing that says Schumacher on it, or worse yet, it says Harbor Freight on it. And it's got a picture of a, a, a motorcycle and a car... You know, put it in the motorcycle setting, or if it has a 2, a 5, a 10, and a 50, put it in the 2 setting. And remember the math. You know, Uncle Phil's fast math. If it's a 14-amp-hour battery, and you set your charger on 2, then it's going to take 7 hours to charge that battery. At least. Right? At least. Thank you. On best-case scenario, it's going to take 7 hours to charge that battery. Because we're not trying to just get it up to 12 volts. Right. We want to get it up to, like... 13, 14 volts. Ideally, and let it sit four, there right, for a while. Exactly. Like we right. we, we want, want that battery to come the home. Battery, yeah. right. We need to get the depth of the charge back into it. We need to not just have phantom voltage at the top, which if we put 10 or 14 or 20 amps at this thing real quick, the light's going to go green because we've achieved 13 volts or 14.4 volts. What we have, we have no capacitance behind it. So yes, it will read... 14 volts enough to fool a dumb charger or to fool a super smart charger but what we don't have behind it is the ability to get more than one crank out the galvanic action hasn't has not occurred magic that's right so four or five days before you want to ride that bike stick your two amp charger on it this is a really good time to read your chargers and remember that a car based charger that says two amps five amps ten amps and 50 amps on the side even in its two amp setting if it has the word automatic on the side don't think you're totally cool because that automatic may only go into resting mode or pulsing mode or float mode when it's seeing something that would be coming back from a 400 or 500 cranking amp car battery. 
Yeah, with battery tenders, I Good. always like to take them off and put them back on every once. It's not a bad idea. Just to reset them. Yep. And also, you should check the electrolyte if you have a wet cell. Yeah, if it's a wet cell battery, look at the case. And through the case, if you shake the case, you should be able to see the water levels dancing around inside. And this is a real good time if you've got a low cell and you check the battery with the cheap old, the free Harbor Freight multimeter or any light bulb, positive, negative, onto the light bulb. The case of the light bulb is negative. The little pin on the bottom of the light bulb is positive. So any 12-volt battery or any 12-volt bulb can be a test light. If you put your little battery, your little bulb, to the positive-negative terminal, you can even hold the bottom of the bulb to the positive terminal and just have, like, a 12-inch wire going over to, or your Gerber tool or whatever, to the negative terminal. Yeah, you can go all the way right Right, and the idea is if the battery doesn't, if the bulb doesn't light up at all, we're talking a headlight bulb. We're talking a headlight bulb. 55 yeah. watts. Sure. Yeah. Or anything, really, because Put it's going to take three three watts, I'm sorry, three volts to power a 12-volt battery, yeah. or 12-volt bulb. Yeah. Let me drink some more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, and then this is a good time, too, if you've put it on the charger and you feel like it's you know, topped off and everything, mm-hmm. you put it back in the bike or you yep. or you go ahead and you try to start the bike, right. and now it still doesn't want to start the right. bike? You're pretty sure you need a new battery. Get a new battery. Like, when in doubt, buy a new battery. If you don't have a battery tender or an Optimate or some other battery float charging device, do not trust the little tiny $5 one from Harbor Freight. That Let's thing is face useless. it, no matter what you do, batteries mm-hmm. these days are not lasting four or five years. Five is a magical number if you've had it on an Optimate or a battery tender. I've got six years on Scoot Baca. Amazing. So Scoot Baca's nice. had, but it's Scoot Baca lives on a... Optimate or battery tender. Yeah. Do you know why? Because I don't have the red key. Okay. All right. uh, never yeah, wanted to be exactly. Right. I don't have the red key, so my bike never discharges. So even when I change the battery in that thing, it's going to be like a heart transplant. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to put another battery on and then you got swap it. it and I'm, I'm taking no fucking chances. Right. right. Come now. down to Uncle Phil's Battery World. We'll get you going. We'll get you going. And so that is a big, big deal with the battery. If you attempt that start and that battery does not do not hook it to your fucking car. And I know that we have said, I'm going to have to turn the intelligence level on the podcast down one level for the next statement. I know in the past we've said it's okay to hook jumper cables to a car battery because your charging system, your starting system, is only going to take what it requires from the larger source of 12-volt power. And that's not really the problem. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. The problem is, after you hook it up and mm-hmm. you get it running, mm-hmm. then you take the cable off. Yep. Now you've left your system trying yep. to run on the stator with exactly. no battery, and then that's not good for anything. Right. So, especially with lithium batteries, especially with AGM batteries, if you have a dead battery scenario and you're not going to buy a new battery, you're going to do whatever it is you're going to do, what I'm going to recommend is hook battery, temp- battery cables up to the known good battery that is probably hiding under the hood of your Buick. Mm-hmm or honestly, America, F-150. So, and then run those cables over to your motorcycle battery, and then go have lunch. Yes. Okay? That would be acceptable. Go have lunch. Let them level out each other. Entire system if you're going to do that. Right. Because I'd be afraid. Just go have lunch. But be advised, if that's a bad battery in your Mm -hmm. bike, it will kill the bike, the battery. Because if the battery in the bike, if if half the cells are dead and it'll only charge a 6-volt, you'll find a 6-volt battery in your car in no time at all. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. You will own two six volt batteries. I did that because I right. have a bunch of right. you know storage cell batteries. A shorted out twelve volt battery loses voltage four volts at a time because each plate is two volts. 
And if a plate arcs out against another plate, it doesn't just murder the one plate, it murders its buddy too. So you lose plates four volts at a time. Everything maths out into these four volt deaths. So basically, when they short out against each other, it's a four volt death. And we see that a lot. We'll see a battery that, uh, coming off the charger, a dumb charger that just charges, it'll carry 8.6 volts. I get a lot that are like six volts. Six like, volts, exactly. Like, right. You can charge yeah. them six volts all day you long. You got it. And that's a murder they'll that occurred. They'll hold six volts, but they will not go above six yeah, volts. Yeah, it's a plate death that occurred left and right. Mm -hmm. So one plate leached into its left channel and its right channel, which is usually the sulfites gathering at the bottom of the case yep. and arcing out the left and the right, or the sulfites uh, joining plates left and right, or, yeah, whatever, front and back. So that's the deal with the batteries. Just believe me, 90% of what we're seeing here today in the shop is all about waking the bike up wrong or abusing the bike on the wake up. For people in the Cleveland area, come see Phil. For everybody yeah. else, go on eBay. A battery is dirt cheap. A new yeah, battery. And <laughs> call, make, make a few phone calls. Treat yourself to an interstate battery. I was going to say, don't cheap out on batteries right. either. Do not yeah. buy from AutoZone. Those yep. batteries are crap. Yep. Yeah. yeah. A lot of them sat on the shelf already. Mm -hmm. That's true. The only ones I buy from AutoZone every are the ones that are selling as used batteries, the ones that they've acknowledged are two well, years old. Yep. Every battery is date stamp. Yeah. Yeah. Every battery every is date stamp. Battery is date stamp. So check the date. Make sure you're getting yeah. a fresh battery. Yeah. But sometimes on motorcycle batteries, yeah. you're getting a dry battery that you have to add the right. um, electrolyte, to. electrolyte to yourself. Right. You're starting with a brand new battery right. because... It could sit for 20 years. It has no moving parts until you put the electrolyte in. under a vacuum. A lot of times when you yeah. peel the seal off, oh, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, you're letting it. If you have a battery, and this is a, tip, you know, this is a tech tip from your Uncle Phil here. If you are going in to buy a battery at a motorcycle shop, and they offer you your choice of a box with an battery inside that has no electrolyte cell, no plastic bladder of electrolyte that you're going to inject by turning it upside down and smashing it, those are called pre Filled, sealed, ready to go, no maintenance, no nothing, no setup. The other one has, it's an AGM battery. It's going to drain in. It's got a black case. Don't take the battery that is ready to go. Don't take the battery. Now, I'm not saying it's a battery, an AGM, that they've pre-charged for you. I'm saying there are batteries that are very popular in the motorcycle industry that a lot of dealers will order from their suppliers that do not come with an acid pack. Mm. They come in pre-juiced, and they do need to be charged once a month. Let me tell you the number of dealers I know of that order these pre-charged batteries, pre-juiced batteries, that actually do have a system set up where they remember to go get those 47 batteries that they ordered a month ago and put them all on Optimates and battery chargers. No fucking body. But even when you get a um, empty battery yeah. and you add the electrolyte, you mm. should charge it once it's filled. You should read the just instructions run it. on the inside mm -hmm. of the cardboard box. They're actually really simple. And Phil would say you don't even start to charge it until you've let it sit overnight. Right. Minimum, yeah. So mm. if you open up the flaps on the Yuaza batteries, it tells you to drop the acid. Yeah, baby. And then <laughs> wait at least an hour, right? And then after an hour, impart like a two amp charge on it. For about four to six hours. That's called four. The, that's four I tap the battery to get the tap all the air battery, yeah. air off yeah. plates. Right. 
I want to try the ultrasonic. I want to take some bad batteries and put them in the ultrasonic with the charger. I've done that. Sure, why not? And see if it'll it'll yeah, desulfur. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I have a big ultrasonic. And then I'll dump them out, and then I'll do my trick, which right. is to dump all the acid out, rinse them out with water, and refill them with a the new acid. Put new acid in it. That actually, I've tried I brought them back. I've brought them back. The the I mean, I'm not going to say they're 100. percent I'm not going to say they're going to start a single cylinder FT500 or whatever. They used to sell a product that you could pour in. I bought lots of that shit from what, J.C. What Whitney, called? man. No, no. We used to sell it. I worked at auto parts yeah. store when I was a kid. And yeah. We saw it. Anti-sulfate. It was battery restorer. Battery restorer. Battery like, restorer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You buy this, and it was right next to the bars leaks and the greasy kid stuff. Yeah. You know, and the herpes be gone and all the other different shit. <laughs> I need herpes be gone. Right. Use aspirin, yeah. too. I've right. got two twin stars. I definitely need to be kind of work on some batteries. But yeah, they have that stuff, and I buy it, and you, you chuck it in there, and I don't even know what's in it. I'm sure one of our podcasts. Excuse me, podcast listeners, I coughed. <laughs> now you're coughing and owning it. That's it. The, uh, but yeah, like that's the thing. So battery, strong battery is important thing. Second thing, go ahead, take take the time if you've never done it before, find your spark plug wrench. Wait, wait, we're going on to step three here. Cause, oh, sorry. Okay, we got yeah. fresh gas, fresh we got gas. good battery. Good battery, right. Okay, step Thank three. You. Step three. Remove your three and two is five. Yeah. Mean, if you've got fresh gas and a good battery, you're halfway there. You've got a pretty good You're doing pretty good. Okay, now get a spark plug out. Get both of them out. Get all three of them out. Get four of them out. Get six of them out if you got a CBX or a KZ1300. Right? Get all the spark plugs out of the vehicle because there's going to be two things that are going to happen and they're both going to make your life a fucking lot easier. The first thing that's going to happen is you're going to go ahead and you're going to spray anything that's a lubricant into the holes. And I'm not joking when I say anything that's a lubricant. Legitimately, anything will do. If you want to use Astroglide, go fucking crazy, man. I don't give a shit. But WD-40 or better, right? Squirt, just squirt some down the holes. I would say there's nothing better than WD-40. Well, <laughs> again, hey. Uh, but squirt some WD-40 down the holes. And then, wow, after you've sprayed WD-40, and it doesn't take a lot. It's just like a, you know, like... Yeah, ease up on it because it can foul your plug. Do you not use a ton of it. Your whole idea here is you're simply going to give a little fall. If you fill half your cylinder up, right. it's going to take a little bit to chase all that WD-40 Don't, before you're going to yeah, fire. Do not hydrolock your bike. Just literally just the <laughs> Just that, that amount, that's it. And give that to each cylinder. And now walk away. Take those spark plugs you have. Walk over to your wire wheel or your sandpaper or anything else you have in your house and give them a light, a light freshening up. It's okay to gap them. If you have a gap tool and you bought that thing for a quarter at AutoZone that looks like a silver dollar with an edge ground on it, yeah, go ahead and gap them. Why not? You're here. Examine your plugs. Look for weird things. If they're ashy, they're white and ashy, you got a problem. If they're black and super sooty, you got a problem. Let's hope they look like a nice, you know, latte. Let's go for like a nice tan color. Thanks. Like, like Oscar. If they look like Oscar, you're in good shape. Oh, yeah. You're in great shape. <laughs> I'd say he's not lean or rich. He's just where he should be. He's Rico. I think he's <laughs> Oscar has achieved a stoichiometric mix. Yeah. <laughs> But that's, I mean, it's a really good time to get the spark plugs out of the bike once a goddamn year. And maybe this is the time that you treat your bike to six or four or three or two new spark plugs. That wouldn't be the worst thing. But when I the spark plugs are out. Let's do a full freaking Ricky Dick tune-up. Well, I Let's mean, set the points. Let's set the valves. This Let's is a great time thing. to do Let's it. Let's get into this thing. Yeah. we got a little bit of bad weather before it right. gets nice. Exactly. Come on, man. I want to ride. Right. Come on. Right. <laughs> if you're doing this, yeah, if you're doing this on that, like, fuck it, I'm going to ride, then you're never going to get those spark plugs out, baby. You're just going to go fire that bitch. And that would be, you got, you've achieved level three, and now you're going for it. Well, if you've serviced your spark plugs, if you've cleaned your points, right, 
That's the easy thing to do. Take your point cover off, bust out and piece of sandpaper. Literally make it very long and thin, like you know, like a, like a coffee stirrer, and reach in there and get your points open, and then just slide the sandpaper through it once. Putting yourself in a comfortable position to work for your on your bike is great. Yeah, having the right temperature, nice yeah. and warm environment. Warm environment. Having a chair. Sit down. Sit back. Look at your bench, bike. Drink a beer. Yeah, I use Spend one of those. Spend a little time uh, with it. You don't want to hurry this. Toolboxes with the legs. Yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. perfect height to work on any it bike. Is. At our shop, we have, um, you know, office chairs die. Office chairs die a horrible death. And every office chair, what's ever been made in China, dies because the, the pressure cylinder that keeps your fat ass 26 inches off the ground or whatever the piston. fails. The piston fails, and you end up with the low rider. Well, take the arms and the back and everything off the low rider. What you end up with is a perfectly good shop stool with five wheels underneath it. You can find them on the curb almost They're, every That's where I get all of mine. <laughs> I've never paid for one in my life. They all come from the curb, but that little fucking bullshit old used to be an office chair is the greatest thing in the world for me scooting around my bike, oh, yeah. doing adjustments and working on shit. There's like, something they actually have for a, touching up your bike, doing a little bit of detailing. Touch everything, awesome. man. Because yeah. that's where you—that's a lot of times where you find out, holy shit, look at my tire. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. You oh, take yeah. a little well, look you at your brake pads. Wow, that looks like I got a super brake pad. Or something. Yeah. I wiggle, dare you. Wiggle things, touch things, yeah. look at it, clean them up and see, you know, like, oh shit, this is fucking loose and falling off. I double dog dare anybody <laughs> to grab their valve stem, rubber-based valve stem, on their alloy wheel, oh. right, and give it a good twist. Mm. Like the Ooh. kind of pressure you'd put on it when you were putting air into it. Like when you're twisting nipples. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> right. But I have had here at the shop, we've had more bikes come in, customers' bikes come in. Well, Chinese scooters were horrendous for oh, that. Like, they were not a even huge, a year too old. The they rubber in those, those Chinese... They were going, they were just, there was a whole... Must have been a boatload of them. So these like... tug in. So the way these damn things work, if you look down at the wheel of your car, or your motorcycle, or whatever, you've got an alloy wheel, and then you've got this rubber thing that lets the air come and go. And the rubber thing should have a copper or a brass thing in the middle of it that gives it some structure and some form. And the way you install these things is you get a device that threads onto the end of it, and you pull it through using a lever principle or vice grips. And if you're a brute, you use vice grips. And if you're a nice brute, maybe you put some lube on there before you tug that thing through the hole. At least spit on. At least spit on, right? <laughs> Dawn. Dawn works great. It doesn't matter what you use. Again, that's great because it's non. Did I mention anal? It, the Dawn <laughs> is good because it's not uh, a hydrocarbon. That's true. So it won't break down. The Vegetable rubber. oil works great. Yeah. Tire lube. Spit also works great. I use Dawn. Uh, spit works great. This thing though about. Putting the valve stem in and understanding that that valve stem, the valve stem is not a lifetime investment. Mm -hmm. And what has happened is, the companies that are selling valve stems to major distributors and major suppliers, the rubber that's in the valve stem is not very fucking good, and it breaks down with ozone and exposure to the environment. And we've seen more than not. I will be attempting to put air into the tire, and while I'm attempting to put air in the tire, I hear that extra. That isn't coming from my air injection device. It's coming from the valve stem. And now we have a problem because this valve stem needs to be changed. I have seen valve stems not outlast the tires. I've seen valve stems that have been installed that I know have been installed the same day the tire was installed. But now we have a problem that the valve stem is failing. So if you're brave enough, look at the valve stems on your motorcycle and maybe just give them a little bit of a 
like move them around, look for signs of dry rot or checking and things like that. Because that valve stem, when it comes out on you at 70 miles per hour, you're going to have a rapid loss of air. I don't care if you're running radial tires and tubeless. When the air comes out of that valve stem that's not there anymore, and the usual behavior is that the valve stem, the metal part, comes out. And what you're left with is a little cookie of black rubber, and that's nothing holding the air back. It's worse than having a quarter-inch hole in your tube. Centripetal acceleration is holding this high rod. As soon as you slow down, it's like... (laughs) I've learned that about 35 miles an hour, they get real scary. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything out there similar to what the cars have right now with the sensor on the stem? And there is. Giving yeah. you a TPMS systems exist in motorcycles now. Okay. Yeah, so tire you, pressure monitoring systems do exist in motorcycles. And you can also buy a steel valve stem yep. that has rubber mm-hmm. uh, washers on either side. So it's you a great put it in there right. and you screw it down in it. Yeah. It's a great I mean, You make a, a sandwich. Which I have that. I have that yeah. on my you could still deteriorate those rubber washers yep. and lose air, yep. but it's not going to be a catastrophic loss. That's exactly right. Like in cases, it won't be yeah. a catastrophic loss, and the next time you go in and pay somebody to put tires on your bike, say, I'd like to upgrade to, to the, the threaded-on valve cores, the valve stems. Mm-hmm. I'd like to upgrade to a threaded-on valve stem, which is going to cost you an extra couple of bucks, but it's totally worth it. If it's you're not doing the job no, yourself. we're not doing it Yeah, right? <laughs> and like you said, too, that some of these valve stems don't last no. Even the life of one tire, but no. USA made, J- Japanese made, right? Chinese made, no. You can't tell. Honestly, you can't tell. I've been in. I've been. I've ordered some recently from a company that we have used before, whose name you would recognize immediately. Slime. No, no. That slime stuff's all Chinese. Yeah. Everything from slime yeah. is Chinese. But yeah. the. Uh, but this is a. Their name rhymes with fuckersaki, but the. Uh, if you, we've seen some very dodgy stems. I've been happy with IRC rubber. I, I want to buy all IRC. IRC rubber. rubber. Yeah, they. I mean, I buy to, any name brand, brands. whether it's Pirelli, yeah. Michelin, I like them because IRC. they're relatively cheap, but I feel yeah. their quality is they're good quality. Yeah. But when you're buying tires, IRL bargain. So yeah, so Trojan. looking after your tires, good idea. Uh, again, with the whole squirting the stuff down in the thing and checking your spark plugs, put those things back in. And once you're putting those back in, the first time you fire your motorcycle, the first time you reach out and hit that start button. You will thank me. Well, how about this? Before you, you even try to start it, yeah. after you've lubricated your cylinders, yes. um, leave the fuel off. Yep, leave the fuel off, leave the plugs Maybe out. Maybe take the, yeah, yeah. E- even if the plugs are in, take yep. the, the leads off the plugs yep. and crank it over a few times. Crank it with the plugs out because it'll take a lot of compression off mm-hmm. and it'll mm-hmm. move those nice, beautiful lubricants all around to the easy places without fighting ring pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, if you over lubricate it, it'll relieve it. It'll that. relieve the over lube. Um, so it is a good idea to cycle the motor once or twice. And we did it for years with two-stroke bikes where we would pull the spark plug out when we wake a bike up, give the cylinder a quick fog, and then just a couple of slow kicks on the lever. Real slow kicks on the mm-hmm. lever. Fuel's not on. Spark's not on. Just a few quick like Just to spread that just oil around a little bit. Because yeah. a dry start takes a lot of miles off your bike. And... Once you're at that point and you've got cylinders that are moving happily, what have you done? Well, you've just checked for the safe operation of your multi-cylindered motorcycle or single-cylinder motorcycle. You know more shit than you did when you were sitting on the couch a week ago. You know that your battery's good. You know that your fuel's fresh. You know, I mean, you've got a lot of information here that you didn't have before. You're checking off systems (coughs) in your garage for free that are much better than firing the bike up on a wing and a prayer... And, or worse yet, having to put it on a trailer and take it to a shop 
where they're going to do that exact same thing, but at $90 an hour, Cleveland prices. Uh, it gets more expensive in other cities. When you are ready to detonate, if you do not own a can of Starch of Bastard, a.k.a. starting fluid or whatever, this would be a good time to own one. Um, the stuff comes in super handy for taking, like, stickers off and decals off. Like, even if you don't own a motorcycle, starting fluid is kind of magical. I use it to kill raccoons. <laughs> what? They die with a smile. Yeah. Ether has that effect like, on people. Put them in a put them in a, a garbage hard bag. Tramp, and then you throw them in a garbage can. You spray starter fluid in there, and it's. And then there you go. <laughs> That's a great way to die, probably. Raccoon be gone. So no, it's ether. High. You get so. That's high. what I'm saying. I'm I've saying never it's had. It's not a, bad. It's I've never had shooting a, them in the head. I've never had a bad experience. Well, maybe not, but you know, <laughs> not starting fluid. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite pickup lines, you know. Hey, does this smell like ether? <laughs> does this smell like ether? <laughs> <laughs> there are some purists out there who don't really. I, I know some guys, yeah. especially two-stroke guys. Yep. Say, get that fucking starting fluid the far away from my they, vehicle. Most of it comes with top-end lube, and they like using just a squirt bottle with a little okay. bit of two-stroke. A little bit of two-stroke in it, which I guess is fine if you want to mm-hmm. prime your carburetors right. that way, but. Oh, ether is extra volatile. But I like the ether myself. The yeah. ether, the the because I always like to have to have that. You know, maybe it's going to pop back through the carburetor and set a nice little fire here, yep. and I can get warmed up. Yep. Yeah. Don't try to blow it out. Starting fluid works great. Starting <laughs> fluid is a reliable ally in the starting of your motorcycle. I like. And before uh, you put the spark plugs in, it, it is totally cool. Yes. To just go. It's better than squirting it in the car, which could be difficult if you have the airbox on. It's just squirt it right into the cylinder. Start it into the cylinders. Do you know why? Because if it backfires, you will not have burning plastic airbox to deal with. Or burning rat feces. Or burning mouse house nest or whatever. That's a good point. If you have a quick look in your airbox. If you haven't looked into your airbox before starting your bike, you'd be amazed at what we pull out of airboxes. Lesson number four. Look in there, man. When in doubt, send a scout. In the right. fall, you should put. I always put uh, dryer sheets in. Dryer sheets dryer is the thing. Sheets, like John, off. John's favorite product, decon air decon air filters. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. It. they make yeah. them. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they make them. I've got patents on them. <laughs> <laughs> right, patent pending. Uh, not kidding. Uh, if you're going to use starting fluid, it's better to use it in the spark plug holes than it is in the airbox. Why? Because if it air, if it backfires into the airbox, you now have a flaming motorcycle problem. And if you've been trying to start it once or twice and your airbox is already saturated, or if you're like, hey, dude, I got a K&N filter and they're good for 15% more horsepower, K&N filter holds like nine minutes worth of burning gasoline. Like a K&N air filter is almost impossible to put out. On top of the oil that they give you to soak the thing. Exactly. When so it's a, a nice slow lingering burn. I've watched, people, <laughs> I've watched people take handfuls of dirt out of the garden and throw it into their airbox trying to put out a flaming cane and air filter because it got overriched and it got loaded with starting fluid because the bike wouldn't start. Then it backfired one time because that's what bikes Oosh. do when they don't want to start. And that can air filter was like the eternal fucking flame. <laughs> and when the guy finally got the bike put out, there was most of the airbox was in a puddle under the bike and the seat, not much left of that. And the wiring harness next to it, not much left of that. They should use it for the Olympic flight. It could. Okay, an end filter. <laughs> yep. It's like Tom Sawyer going in the cave looking mm-hmm. for engine gel. Odd boys everywhere using tiki torches and cane and air filters. The uh, they'll burn forever. The, the literary reference. <laughs> for, for the We're gonna take you on a long ride. So that's uh, once you start a bike, giving it that little kiss of starting fluid. 
makes up for all the time it takes for, <clears throat> imagine if you would, vacuum to be required to open your petcock. Yeah. Fuel to flow from the petcock all the way to the carburetors <clears throat> well, and fill a, the bowls. That's a whole ball of wax there. Where yes, you have it a is. Prime setting, whether you uh, you know. Yep. Uh, you know. Yeah. you could just get rid of all your carburetors and get fuel injection. <laughs> again, then we'd be out of podcast business because everyone's and I I wouldn't have much of a shop because everybody's bikes would be running. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that is a big big deal because if you're cranking a bike long enough for the supply chain to be activated from the gas tank to the carburetors to the spark plug, that's a long day. Uh, it's like every Honda that sits for a week, mm -hmm. yeah. for some reason, it seems like they need to get primed. Yeah. And I don't know why that is, yeah. but every single Honda I've had... Takes a while to get going. Yeah. Right, but then but then if you use it the next day, it starts it's ready instantly. To go. Yeah. And if every other day it starts instantly, you let it sit for a week, it takes a little while to get going. It would be cool if everybody just couldn't hold a starter button for more than like seven mm -hmm. seconds. And let it rest. Like it had a timer on it that said you could hold it for seven seconds. And it won't do anything. And then it would rest for like a minute and a half. I have the perfect device. Yeah. We use them for uh, the gun locks in the car. Oh. It's eight seconds. Eight seconds, yeah. You hit the button, it... It holds open for eight the seconds. The shotgun is available for eight seconds. And then right. click. And then it, and then it locks itself back nice. up again. Yeah. Because it's like if somebody would have thought enough, had the forethought, to put some sort of a momentary switch on the handlebars. Yeah. You get eight seconds of... Or just one that would like only work as long as you held it. And then you, you would, your brain would know to only hold it a certain number of seconds. But apparently my customers think that that switch is a light switch. It's like start motorcycle on. Go 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 go. It's remarkable how long somebody will hold that button. So I mean, like you can see the smoke coming out of the button. So enough to weld the contacts closed. Yes, exactly. So it's it's a that's a bad bad scene. They if the bike doesn't start immediately, and you've done all of these things that we've talked about, it's time to start thinking about what could have happened while the bike was in storage. So right before you put your spark plugs in, you did yeah. turn it over and make sure you had spark, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, that I'm free sure crank, that. like, that free crank when you got spark plugs hanging there? Yeah, yeah you, you bring should, it you should make sure you got spark. Yeah, you make sure you got spark. Yeah, but you better yeah. make sure you see spark. If your ignition system requires a resistor plug, yep. you better make sure you don't just dead short it to a, a ground. A cylinder, right. You could literally you have, have a spark plug. I always put a plug in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But well, that you was don't want to just, the old days, you could take a screwdriver and oh, stick yeah, it in yeah. there and arc it out. But you're right. But do not do that. That is absolutely true. The only thing that yeah. tests for spark is a spark plug. That's yeah. an excellent yeah. point. You make an excellent point because if you are testing for spark with anything other than a spark plug, you can fuck your shit up. See, I have, a, I have an ancient spark plug testing tool. And it's like a... It's a clear a piece of light. plastic. Yep. It's big light yep. with a... A lead on uh, it. A threaded... Uh, like a screw yeah. that changes the gap, right? And you and it has a and you can plug into your spark plug, or I mean spark plug boot. Yeah. And you used to be able to check plugs like that, but anything that's electronic, CDI, anything yeah. else, you no do not want to do that. Ah, makes sense. Yeah, it might get away from you, but it's in here somewhere. It's I have a drawer. I have a drawer in my tool chest that is literally just called the cool tools drawer. 
<laughs> You're yeah. one of those two. It's yes, like that, that is very cool. We I put all the old tools that you never use yeah, it's my cool in my sunroom, and I put them. We have like a little lip around the windows, <laughs> and I have all these old tools around the lips around my windows that you can't use anymore because you blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I have my I have my my cool tools drawer, and somewhere in here I have my my gapper. Like I have a spark. Mm-hmm. Plug. I have a spark plug simulator that just you watch how long the arc is, and you watch how long the arc is, and you know it tells you how strong your charging system or your, your ignition system is. Wait, if it had your sister, it would be fine. But right. it, it isn't. It's it straight it through. Isn't. So yeah, just somewhere yeah. in there. I just got to plug by this method. I put it in the bike. I kicked the bike over. Mm. I noticed that it wasn't sparking across the gap. That it right. was jumping sideways. Ah, yes. It looked like the gap was too open. I tapped it on the floor a couple times, kicked it again, and it was drunk across the gap. I thought that was Mission good. accomplished. Mission accomplished. You've nice achieved spark. operation of the spark plug. Flying by the seat of your vintage pants. It will get your ass home. Oh, it's going to get my ass all over fucking middle Iowa and everywhere else. <laughs> Some of the plugs they call for an hour, like, have 92 electrodes going to well, the yeah, I, mean, I, I thought the electricity followed the path of least resistance. Right. It does. I just had a, a, GE, a general communications technology, you know, certification that I got, whatever, mm-hmm. when I was out in Vegas. Right. And they showed this diagram where you've got three, you know, uh, three resistors in line, in parallel. Okay. Yeah. And one's, you know, one ohm resistance, sure. two ohms, three ohms. Okay. Right. I'm like, yeah. well, all the electricity is going to go through whatever one is in. No, no, no. That's, they say that's not the case. I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. Whichever right. one doesn't have the most resistance, exactly. all the electricity should go right through that That's one. That makes perfect sense. So but wouldn't you think that as that more electricity goes through, so it increases the resistance through I that sell circuit. a disturbing number of iridium spark plugs. It is a, it's a, not a ridiculous, but it's a, a bit of a uh, uh, equation to figure yes. out the exact role resistance right. of three the resistors in parallel. Of course. Well, exactly what there's resistance a series in parallel, and you get... Math is good. In series, it's fine because the resistance right. builds. It so builds. if you have a one right. and a two right. and a three, it's, you know. Right. I'm, I'm good at, very simple. If you're not sparking, figure out why you're not sparking. But this start, the initial start, the time you're starting your motorcycle, this is, if you're not going to pay a dealer to do it, you should be doing this. Because it's your freaking motorcycle. It's what's going to run for you for the rest of the year. Do not let this be a hope and a prayer. Well, you know, there's 18 pounds of air in the tire, so I fluffed them up to 38, and I'm good to go for the next six months. Let's face you it, fucktard. Once you get this thing running, yeah. you're going to rape the shit out of it for the rest of the summer. Exactly. You might want to spend a little time right here in the beginning. Right. Just giving it some love. If you're not going to visit your local mechanic or visit your local motorcycle shop and give them some money, then you need to be doing it yourself on your end correctly. It's not hard. It's just... A matter of paying attention it's to detail. Yeah. And if you don't pay attention to detail, I mean, stuff like that yep. could damage your bike irreparably. I, I, we wouldn't be having this conversation if I did not have a Honda that came in with the world's most epically stuck clutch plates that I have. Just last number five? It might be. Okay. Oh, my God. I was going to bring that up, clutch plates. Clutch <laughs> plates. I have got a bike out there that... That came in, and there is now that it is running. No small feat, but it is running, and it's running, and it's accepting power, and and the fluids are staying where they're supposed to be staying, and everything else. But this was literally brought in with the whole like, well, I parked it, I did good, I and I had a battery tender on it, I, I did everything I needed to do. But weirdest thing, I went to ride it the other day because we had a warm day, 
And I went to ride the bike the other day, and as soon as I put it into gear, well, my clutch was apparently not clutching anymore. You know? Yeah. And that's... It was fully clutched. It was... Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it was unclutched. It was unclutched. G-clutched. Right. And so as soon as he put the bike in gear, of course, it stalled out. Well, what happens is all of his plates are stuck together. Oh. So all of his plates. So his bike has been sitting in stasis in oil that has been somewhat impregnated with water. And there's what's called stiction. And the stiction goes between the steels. So your clutch plates have a a friction material on them that is, you know, rubberish, organic material cork in the old days and then there's steels and there's you know friction material steel friction material steel friction material steel when you pull the lever it pushes the arm it pushes these plates apart and the steels and the corks can run at different speeds and that is your motor running at one speed and your transmission running at zero right and then when you let the clutch out it says i'm going to let these springs push these steels and these friction plates together and when the steels push the friction plates and the steels together, I'm sorry, when the springs release and the friction plates and the steels are pushed together, then your motor speed and your transmission tr- speed try to sync up with each other. And that makes you go down the road. Well, what happens is if you cannot push these plates apart, so you are pulling the clutch lever. We've relieved the spring tension. The spring is being pulled in, but the, the plates, plates are, are stuck still together. stuck to the steels. They're glued to the steels. So what happens Peanut is... Peanut butter stuck to your jelly. Yes. You have the clutch pulled in because you're not a fucking idiot. Jelly and jam. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have the clutch pulled in because you're not stupid. You have revved the motor to 2300 because you're going to leave the driveway now. And you've let the clutch out, right? Well, you're about to let the clutch out when you reach down with your foot and you put the motorcycle in first gear at 2300 RPM. What happens if it's 2300 RPMs and you're lucky is the motor stalls. But if the motor doesn't stall, you might wheelie into your fucking neighbor's house. Because what's happening is you have no separation between your steels and your corks, or your steels and your friction plates. That's what A lot happens. of times when you do that, yeah. it, it breaks them apart, though. Well, well, I mean... I mean so there is a technique. how stuck or unstuck they are. How yeah. many dozen bikes have you done it to? <laughs> all of them. Yeah. Yeah, all of them. And it is a thing... In the vintage motorcycle world, when we deal with clutch plates that have been sitting for a long time in marginally, well, six-year-old oil or whatever, that the plates That's are going to be usually more than one year sitting. That's oh, it's many yeah. That wasn't you let it sit over the winter and they stock like that. Well, and that's why you change your oil in the fall. In the fall, not in the spring. Yay. In this particular bike, we know that the bike was running last year. I mean, we know for a fact the bike was running last that's year. That's crazy that they're stuck yeah. that quick. Yeah. And what there kind is, of Honda is it? It's a CB750. But just so you know, if you are ever in this position and an old-timer comes up to you and kind of revs the bike up real high and drops it into gear, that is probably going to unstick the plates. Yeah, my technique but is a little different. you can do better, John. My technique is I just uh, get the bike starting. First, let it run as long as you can. Oh, yeah. Let it get warmed you know, up. Heat really is your nice. friend. That oh, might, yeah. in and of itself, just do enough to do it. Yeah. But if not... Get up, take the bike, push it, get it going, mm-hmm. jump on Fred the seat, Flintstone. and then gently kick it into first gear yep. without giving any gas, and yep. then roll on the throttle. Yep. So now you've essentially jumped the bike into first gear with it running, without using the clutch. Mm-hmm. Now, first gear usually is pretty good. You drive around a little bit, just puttering around, yep. hold the clutch in, and just yep. ride around. Let it yep. let it do that. 
if that doesn't work, then you might have to go for a full-blown ride. Just hold the clutch in and start fucking shifting through yep. the gears. I guarantee you, at some point, wah, it's going to rev out. Yep. It's going to break apart. and then That oil is going to get up to boiling temperature. <clears throat> and that oil is going to get over 200 and some degrees eventually. And be careful with air-cooled bikes especially. If you're going to do the technique, the technique of starting the bike, center standard or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Start the bike and let the bike warm the fuck up. I mean, you're not going to want to touch any part of this motor. Air-cooled bikes, again, they exist because air needs to be running over the cylinders to cool them. So I get that, but okay. I have never actually had an air-cooled bike, no matter Seats. how hard I right. fucking thrashed it, right. buried it in the fucking mud and sat there and fucking screamed the fucking shit out of it, <laughs> ran it around right. mid-Ohio right. in 90-degree fucking and weather. Didn't That's see what I was saying. Has it ever fucking seized. really been a problem right. that it was an air-cooled bike? Right. You can idle an air-cooled bike for 30 minutes, usually no harm, no foul. And... It's a lot. It's going to get lot. hot. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. But I've seen that free stick, free stuck plates. And the preventative measure, if you are a person that owns motorcycles with clutch plates, it actually, um, on a lot of bikes, if you pull, if your bike has a kickstart lever, <coughs> if you pull the clutch in and you kick the kickstart lever, that will cycle the clutch plates and the steels at different speeds. Yeah, some bikes kick through the clutch. They kick through the clutch. So that's, it might be a good way. Yep. And that's a great yeah, way to make sure your clutch plates don't seize in the not first place. Not all bikes do that. But not all bikes do. Some exactly. clutch bags are actually mounted on yep. the crank, not the transmission. Exactly. But that is something I learned that occasionally when on my vintage bikes, I just go over, grab the clutch. The first kick you give is like you're not grabbing the clutch. The second kick you give, halfway through the second kick, the kick goes through like it should, and you're like, oh, I just freed up my clutch plates. Congratulations. Preventative That's a good maintenance. Tip. Yeah. Tip I remember having bikes like that six. when I was a kid. I didn't understand. I tried to kickstart it, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, pull the clutch. No, I just because it was, the clutch plates oh, were stuck. It was stuck. It was stuck. Right. And that's the thing. Right. Like, if you have vintage bikes, you're going to learn how to deal with a stuck clutch. And if you have modern bikes and you have a stuck clutch, you don't have a kickstart. I hate it when you can't kick a bike with, with a clutch in. I like it when you can grab the clutch, kick the bike. I like, you know. Yeah, it just depends on the That's way they good, built yeah. it. So if the clutch is at the end of the crank, mm-hmm. when you pull the clutch, you're not going to kick through it. You know, if you're kicking through the transmission, it's just not going to work. So that's just the design of the motor at that point. Uh, but this all being well and good, if you have the bike running now, that's a great time. Once the motor is running, do not, even if it's fuel injected, do not. And please resist the urge to go, rum, rum, rum. <laughs> Once a motor is started that has been sleeping for three to four to five to six months, just fucking let it do its thing for a little while. Let it make sure it fills up the carbs. If it's fuel injected, let's make sure that it gets into what's called its closed loop. So in a fuel injected system, in a fuel injected bike, open loop is the dumb part of it, like the getting started part of it. And Basically, open, it's on choke at that point. Yeah, open right. loop is choke, for lack of a better term, or enriched. And at open loop, <laughs> when the bike is running, if you start wailing on it, your air fuel mix is not optimal. Your air fuel mix is not going to be right. So let that sucker sit for a minute and a half, two minutes. Let it find its perfect idle. That will let the computer get its baselines too, because the computer is getting data that is different, I assure you, in March than it was in October when you parked it. So temperatures are different, air pressure is different, everything's different. So when you start the bike for the first time, just stay the fuck away from the throttle. Let the bike, if it's fuel injected, find its own way because the computer is now going to get good data that will help the bike start easier. And if you are like me, I do disconnect my battery for a couple of minutes on my fuel injected bikes before I start them just to dump out previous 
maps or previous most motorcycles that have fuel injection do have adaptive parameters for the fuel injection systems even royal enfield has it you wouldn't recommend no. doing a capacitive discharge would you eh. where you actually touch so that's touch the terminals and then yeah. touch the terminals yeah just touch the terminals i mean if you take your terminals off your bike really you only need to take one off if you take the red terminal off your mm -hmm. bike the battery terminal and you touch the battery terminal, the red terminal, positive terminal, to anything that's grounded or the negative terminal itself, the cord, the cable, it will dump the electricity instantly out of the CDI. It will dump mm. the energy that's in the capacitors, caps, ECU, re resistors, ECU, whatever. everything. It's going to take all the electrons out of the system. And then when you do start this bike, it's going to be starting on a true zero. It will then learn information based on the atmospheric pressure, the temperature, and the conditions that you're dealing with right at this minute, which could be something as dumb as the gasoline that's in your gas tank today is slightly different than it was 59 days ago or four months ago or whatever, and the bike will run differently. And it's really weird when you let these bikes find their, their zero, so to speak, when you let fuel-injected bikes find their transition between an open loop and a closed loop on their own and you don't get on the fucking throttle it's literally getting the throttle position sensor is determining a true zero and the bike will run fucking better and then when you do feed it throttle after a minute and a half it will be happier it will be cleaner like it'll fucking run better so it's just a thing that i have done in my motorcycles when i wake them up is i just simply disconnect the the positive terminal off the battery, I give it a, I reach over and I touch it to the negative. Okay? And that literally just dumps everything out of the bike. Then when I start it, I stay off the fucking throttle for a good minute and a half, two minutes. Let the bike find its own. You'll hear it. You'll hear the motor change. You'll hear the cadence change. And once that's happened, that's a good time that then you can feed it throttle. You know? But if you do it before then, all kind of weird data is going back in the computer and it's setting things rich or lean. I don't think you're going to get anywhere near as good of an actual picture of what the bike is supposed to run like. So remember that those fuel injectors are basically variable jetting devices that are there giving all kinds of jetting changes based on the environment, the air pressure, the temperature, everything around you. So you, you can wake a fuel-injected bike up wrong. It is a thing that can be done. And we do get the phone calls here at the shop, and usually what I tell people is, yeah, go out to your bike, pull the red terminal off, or discharge it, and start it again. So I've got a fuel-injected bike, right? Yeah. I should go out there and whip the throttle several times, get it pumped up, work it and everything, turn the, th turn the key on, give it full throttle, right? right. Exactly. No, right. that's going to do it's you no good thing. at all. Yeah. A fuel-injected car, fuel-injected right. thing. Your throttle there position sensor. There is no sensor. pumping the gas. There's no setting the stroke. There is no right. giving it the gas while you're trying to start it. It's not going to help one bit. And on a carbureted bike, the difference between a carbureted bike that has a pumper carb and doesn't have a pumper carb, who gives a shit? If you want to crank that throttle, if you want to sit there and rock that throttle, wah, 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 open, close, open, close, and your bike doesn't have a pumper carb on it, it's mental masturbation. Now, if it does have a pumper carb. You're not hurting it. You can run it on the pumper for right. quite a while. And yeah. we have learned. But if you're running it on the pumper for, you know, if right. it's, it keeps dying... You're probably going to have to clean your fucking carb. That technique, Your bike's man, not going to run on the pumper all yeah. day long. You can run a carbureted bike on the pumper. You can become a fuel injector. 
And what that means is on modern carburetors, there's a pumper circuit. And you'll look on the carburetor and you'll see where your throttle cable goes into the side of the motorcycle. When the throttle cable goes into the side of the carburetor, you'll see a little plunger, plunger, a rod that's hooked to a metal plate. And when you crack the throttle, you'll see a little rubber uh, bellows on the side of it. And you will see, when you move the throttle, you'll see this little thing pumping, like a little piston, like a little oil well. Every time you crack the throttle, it goes a little squirt. And if you took the carburetor apart and you did that, it would squirt gas right in your eye hole. Because you're looking at it and you press the little thing. You're like, I wonder what happens when I press this little thing. And it shoots gas right in your fucking eye hole. (laughs) It works perfectly every single time. Look in this hole. Squirt. Not blind. Right. So I'm going to put the rest of this carburetor together using Braille. So that's a pumper car. And yeah, if you got a bike that has kind of a fucked up starter jet. Pump, 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 start. And then it dies. Pump, 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 pump. And if you're like me, you can get this technique where you go and hit the starter button at the same time. And you can literally become a mechanical fuel injector for your motorcycle. And you can become a mechanical fuel injector and run the bike long enough that it will get through the enrichener circuit, that it'll get through like a stuck enrichener. And it'll get the fluids moving to the point where the Italian tune-up starts working and the bike starts to wake up again and you remind it that it's no longer garage art, that it's actually a motorcycle. A great little quick tip yeah. if you have carbureted bikes yeah. is you might want to just try clacking your over, cracking your overflows. Always. Drain the syrup and yeah. varnish that's yeah. sitting in the bottom, bottom of your carburetors. Yep. And let a little fresh gas run through there and Should rinse all that shit out. Not the worst idea. in the fall. Should do that in the fall. Well, exactly. But that's now, the best right. thing is to turn over the course of the winter. Them, right. Trying to drain them in the fall. But if you that's haven't right. done it, do it now so you don't suck that first little bit of shit into your jets. That yeah. is always. Yeah. Flush your carburetors out. brown goo goes. <laughs> yeah. Guess when your carburetors stopped being clean? When you fucking dirtied them. Right? Yeah. So they were clean, and then you sucked in... Uh, Oatmeal or whatever into them, like what used to be the inside of your float bowls. Yeah. How, how long does it take for from, let's say that the float bowl is empty? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you start kicking over the the, the, the motorcycle, well, how long does it take to stabilize to a normal? Seconds, maybe. If your throat bowls are empty, yeah. it all depends on what type of petcock you right. have. Right. There are you many have a pure manual petcock, yeah. and you turn it in the on position, and mm-hmm. you have enough fuel, or you put it in the reserve position. Right. It's only going to take a few seconds for those floats to fill up. <coughs> and then if they've been sitting long enough and your floats are fucked up, it's going to start running out onto the floor. But let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> let's hope that doesn't happen. No, let's hope they actually no. fill up and they stop <laughs> That's filling. a different Assuming podcast. Assuming you have overflows. Right. Assuming right. you have right. overflows. Right. Then if you don't have But we won't go there. Let's assume so everything works out. It doesn't take that long for... It doesn't take okay. long That's at all. That's a gravity petcock. That's a gravity petcock. If you have a vacuum petcock, which is turned on and off... Hopefully they have a prime position, mm-hmm. and if you flip them into the prime position, that'll let them gravity fill up. Right. Oh, okay. And then you can actually run the bike in the prime position and everything, and then For eventually sure. you turn it into the on position, and that way when you shut the bike off, Just the little vacuums, which right. never actually work to actually shut it off, will so theoretically shut your fuel flow off when you turn the bike off, so, so it won't run up. fuel yeah. through your carburetors that don't have overflows yeah. into your right. fucking cylinders and then down into your sump. <laughs> Because that's another good reason. And turn your band at 1200 into a flame That's another great reason why you should, I don't care, to change your bike and your oil in the spring is because if over the winter this scenario has happened and you've filled your whole crankcase full of gasoline, 
You'll know it when you go and don't get a few quarts out. You get fucking a gallon and a half. Oh, I checked the guy's dip. I case. checked the guy's dipstick in a, a, a bike that got brought in. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I pulled. I I put his dipstick. The prostrate out. exam with no hands. When I took his dipstick oh, out, <laughs> I'm not kidding. A fountain of gasoline came out of the bottom of his sport bike. So this guy's GSXR had like. Chicksaw. Seven quarts of gas in it, like it was epic. So when I when the when the dipstick came out, I had to go run and grab things really quickly because his entire crankcase was full of gasoline, um, and and there may have been some oil in there too. I don't know, but where there used to be three quarts of oil, there was now like five to seven quarts of gasoline. What's happened it's to a me? case for a fuel pump. Of course, it's a case I mean, for a, a, these are all arguments for why right. a lower tank, <coughs> and a tank that's not in the yeah. typical position yeah. of a tank it doesn't oh, matter. The seat. I mean, the CB1 that I have has a fuel pump. Right. Now it is up high. Yep. So somehow, but uh, I bought a cheap Chinese fucking. I didn't want to spend a million dollars, so I bought a Chinese petcock. Right. Well, guess what? That Chinese petcock doesn't actually have an off position. No, it only you has. An, it did when I first got it. But it <laughs> no longer does. <laughs> so no matter where you put it, you can never quite get off. No, no, Everything. off doesn't. And over really the fucking exist. winter, it yeah. fucking wet something the fucking motor. Yeah. And the first time I tried to start it, I'm like, where the fuck is all the fucking what the hell? Oh, if you're starting your motorcycle, you haven't checked your dipstick yet. Yeah, you're a whole new special kind of stupid. Yeah, because well, that should be stupid. Tip, tip number six. Yeah. Oil. That's it. Make sure your oil level's right. And if I, it's too much, yeah. you, you I would have never thought or that. Or too happened. little. You right. know, yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly happened. right. Yeah. Happened it, to be on that bike. Happened on an XS750 I had. That's happened a world we live in. Kinds of bikes. Yeah, I like ticklers myself. I have fucking <laughs> gallons and gallons of old <laughs> tickler. oil and gas up on my fucking shelf that I don't. I need to have a goddamn big bonfire to burn that shit. I'm looking, I've got something along the order of about 22 gallons of bad gas on hand right now. We have a, we have a company that comes and picks it up and takes care of it. I'm sure they recycle it. In the they take it down to the auto zone. <laughs> well, especially if it's got oil in it, it's still black. Exactly. We have concrete tanks, and I, I pour it, a, like, whatever I have in, in the right. concrete tank, and then I... You burn it like in the You know, like in the uh, movies. Yeah. I, I leave a stream... Like and you make sure away. to walk away from it yeah. and don't look back when it goes boom. No, it's so fun because <laughs> you leave the stream and it's like just like in the movies where they light it up and yeah. then it's. Yeah. And Steve's walking away and it like silhouettes him and he <laughs> yeah. has like a swagger. Yeah. Yeah. swagger. Slow mo. It's him and Antonio Banderas. <laughs> My AR fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lights it with a fucking cigar butt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Apparently it's not my bad gas because my bad gas won't be light lit with like a 200 psi diesel engine. Well, that's my, yeah. that's yeah. my tester. You stick a big screwdriver <laughs> in there, you pull it out, walk away from walk the bike. Walk away from the bike. And you light it. Does it catch on fire? Or does it not catch? You're on proofing fire? your gas. If it catches, if it, oof, oh, yeah. okay, we've got good gas. You're proofing your gas. But if you got to sit there and it's kerosene and it won't barely will light, you know you got bad gas. Take that pan of bad gas and then test your spark right over it. Right over it. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> And I know if you got bad spark or if you got bad gas. Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay, so I say that my wife has seven hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of life insurance on me. (laughs) So we do too. We got seven hundred fifty thousand on you too. We should. So we have a we have yet another fallen comrade comrade. 
Wait, uh, is that all scary this year? What else are we going to do, man? Your bike started. I'm going to say check your tires, too, for you. Yeah, exactly. I thought we covered that. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Check your fucking tires. Check your fucking tires. Go to and black are not the only qualifications. Go to a reputable website and download a fucking check sheet. Don't just listen to a stupid podcast. Right, that's exactly it, too. That's just a starting point for you kids out there. This whole thing is about waking your fucking... The first start, like, the first fucking start should not happen until you've done what we just spent an hour doing. We're just trying to talk you out of going out there, turning the key on, hitting the fucking start button, and hoping to brand. Exactly. Because I got a line of those outside my shop to, like the past four days. Yeah. See, I avoid all that because I go out every two weeks and start every single bike. Well, of course you do. Fucking fastidious bastard, you. <laughs> well, that's good and bad too. Because if you're going to do that, though, you got to start them and let all the I'm moisture sure burn. That's oh, no, that's right. I wait until the temperature hour. gauges come up to. Yeah, don't go out there and just let it pop for 15 it seconds and then shut off. I don't have that kind of time. There's really good TV. I don't know where you get your time. <laughs> I bring mine into my climate control living room. Hmm. Just. I have four chargers, and I rotate. When I rotate the chargers, I yeah. put them on the four bikes. It's start projected. the next four bikes, and then I move the chargers. I got a system. Start the next four bikes. Mostly, I have a eleven thousand square foot building that we're sitting in right. that's climate controlled that I keep, try to keep as many of my bikes in as humanly possible. So that helps a little bit. I am suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning. Now. He's run clean out of canaries. <laughs> I'm sitting there running a CT90 with gas dripping out of the carb right onto the head, vaporizing the head. that. Yeah. Then all the other shit's cooking off of it and all this. Yeah. And I'm ricking the fuck out of it, and it's overflowing. And it's You're trying to I'm keep like, up with the leaks. I'm a good yeah. hour in the garage fucking about with this thing. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should pop the doors open. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. 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 You have all yeah. the hydrocarbon-based cancers. I'm feeling a little dizzy. It's the <laughs> smell, though. See, I think every There's nothing bike, like when that fresh air hits you and you get that head rush. You're like, and you're like, like oh, shh. Oh, wow. <laughs> fresh is running at 2%. <laughs> the smell is like metallic dust. Well, yeah. Is that what it is? Metallic dust? I mean, do you know what the smell yeah. I'm talking oh, about? Oh, I know yeah, the smell. Yeah, sure. It's like with, <laughs> yeah. the first time you start up your bike. I know the smell. Or even if it sits for a month. I know the same thing happens the first time you that's start up your bike. It's just like when you fire up your furnace. That's what I was saying. Right. That's right. It's all yep. the dust and shit yep. that right. accumulated on your exactly. exhaust burner. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Yeah, it's, but it's, it's like a metallic shit. dust smell. and It's like a low-carb diet for you. It's hydrocarbons, man. Twenty pounds, bro. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> All right, so we have a, we have one of our one of our dearly a gentleman who's been nice enough to be my friend for many many years and not departed. But more importantly, was nice enough to I think buy our first zero. So it's the first zero we ever sold. He was ground zero on the zero. He was ground my, zero, right? Yeah, he was the yeah, early adopter. So uh, yeah, he got a zero FX way back in the day. And he likes to hool- he likes to hooligan around Pittsburgh with you know one wheel in the air and whatnot, and he's really enjoyed the, the zero for the past couple of years, and just and he's done. Well, it. he's on a timeout for sure, <laughs> and let's just put it gently to say that he's got two zeros now. Now he has. <laughs> I think the phrase is less than zero. <laughs> so he has less than zero. Uh, he's got... There you go. He's got... A lot of people would call that an opportunity. <laughs> I do like... I'd call that an opportunity. I see a unique project in the mi- in the mix here. I see a... Low rider. Well, right now it's a fucking low rider. So tell us what we're looking at here. I see so what we're looking at is a... For a uh, mid-Ohio vehicle. Uh, I do... What we have is the front end of a... So a zero FX is that the down dog position? It is the down dog <laughs> position. So this motorcycle is literally doing downward dog. It it probably did a sun salutation first, and it it landed in downward dog, because 
Its belly's literally sitting on the ground. It is. Yeah. And and remarkably, no kickstand needed. Yeah. Uh, no kickstand needed for this picture, my God. Uh, but that, it that is, is one stretched zero. It is stretched the fuck out. So what had happened is, in heavy traffic, in a heavy traffic scenario, you know, sometimes you get like a vehicle in front of you, and you can't really see what's coming, right? Because the vehicle in front of you is just Lucky too fucking big, right? And we're on motorcycles, so we like being, you know, driving with a certain sense of enthusiasm. Jean de Vivre. Yes, a joie de vivre. The joie joy of life. Who's John DeVivre's brother? John DeVivre's... <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Joy> DeVivre. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get him started on... Don't get him started on Pero Vida, the dog of life. Uh, Sorry, I tried. I know. He was trying to be cultured and shit. Look. Okay. When... What happened here is he was doing his best to maintain a forward state of direction in heavy traffic, Right? Which means see a hole, fill the hole, right? Uh, Got that right. <laughs> Giddy up. Any port, any port in a storm, boys. Any port in a storm. That's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. The, uh, when, but what had happened is there was, a, there was a, a piece of space in front of him. And this is an important thing if you ride in traffic. Is that remember that nature abhors a vacuum. So that when there is an empty space... Some asshole in the sport utility is going to try to fucking fill it. What had happened is somebody of the soccer mom variety tried to put their sport utility vehicle into the empty space by turning left in front of our friend. Well, texting. Well, I mean, who knows about that, right? Yeah, right. At least they'd have an excuse then. Yeah, right. Hit send, Sheila. Hit send. Right, right. right. Yeah. So what had happened is he did fully engage all the brakes. And as he said, his speed was remarkably slow by the time he arrived at his destination, a.k.a. the point of impact, meaning the right front fender of her That's car. That's going to be a passenger front fender. It is a passenger front fender. Yeah, it's pretty much, if you're working law enforcement or insurance industry, you've seen a lot of these. It's the he, she turned right in front of me, which is technically she turned left in front of me. But depending on what country you're in, we'll take either answer as an option. But yeah, so he did feed his motorcycle into the area of her right front wheel because she was in his lane of travel. He plowed into her. Yep, yep. And she probably, to him, it probably looked like she was going to proceed gaily onward in the westbound direction as she hit, as he headed east. And then all of a sudden, she changed course and she went... She forgot that she had to turn left. Apparently oh, she did. Shit. But she, because of that large vehicle in front of him... She did, was not expecting to see a small vehicle, right. him, there, right? So she had a blind spot when she made her left, and the blind spot was the large object that was the bus in front of him. So she pulled dead on into his path of travel. So he did hit the side of her car, which probably... They made contact. I'm not going to say he hit her or she hit him. They made contact. <laughs> I right. like to say a crash occurred. <clears throat> a crash occurred. There was a crash. And... I'm going to guess he fucking flew a while. I mean, a ways. Because the frame on this motorcycle is properly cracked. I mean, totally fucking. There's no, like, it wasn't, like, bent. It, it, aluminum, anybody who's been a painter or uses aluminum ladders and shit like that, they know that aluminum doesn't bend a long time before it lets go and it cracks. It doesn't exhibit any plastic deformation. No, no plasticity at all. It's just, like... Fuck you, I'm braking now. Try to bend a brake lever or a clutch lever back and you'll see what we're talking about. Why do they bend so well? 
They burn. Really? They've been like a goddamn banana on the yeah. first The first time, yeah. yeah. But then if I go after it, gentle, 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 snap. Tink. I know. Bullshit. You just have to go like this. Yeah, you got to ride it around <laughs> looking like a banana forever, and it's kind of stupid. I leave them that way. I, like I leave them that way. It looks like a banana. It's a two-finger. There's some appeal for that. Yeah. <laughs> so... Ask your doctor. You may have Pyronis disease. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, if you want to straighten a brake lever, put it in the vice. That's the best way to do it. Buy another one. The, uh, That's mm, even but the, yeah. There are different grades of aluminum, some of yeah. which have more plasticity. I've tried the whole, like, cherry red elasticity. Yeah. We have Going down ladders the in the fire hole, service that they put between a couple of sawhorses, and yeah. they'll put a 400-pound weight in the middle of mm-hmm. it where that ladder almost touches the ground in the wow. middle. Oh, wait, the chief? <laughs> yeah. I will reserve comment on that. Wow. How are things on the Brattonall Fire Department? Yeah. <laughs> but when they take that 400 pound weight off, the ladder springs right it's back. It's totally and fine. Straight as an arrow. It's totally straight as an arrow. And I, every time I see that. It's a I'm, rubber ladder. It is. It's like a rubber ladder. <laughs> I love it. But um, Only if it was non conductive. Yeah. I no longer want to climb that ladder after that's nope. been done to it. That's a test. They do that. That's an annual test they do on our ladders every year. But there are, so huh. there are different kinds of aluminum, some which. Are very brittle. Some of them are eighty thousand dollar ladders too. So no. I don't right. know how much it costs. So that shit's not Warner's. You're not getting that at Home Depot. No. Exactly. Right. There's Warner's no gorilla the on the side of that firefighter ladder. ladder. Is there actually like a? There's a, there's a, a company. Ger- I'm thinking Sparkies. it's German. Sparkies. No, there's a company here in Cleveland. Uh, Alco. Al. Um, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> but they make. Ladders. I can look into it though. Yeah. I can get back to you on that. But they're nice, high end. Probably not wire. cheap ladders. No, I'm sure they're not. So, this fella had a sudden departure with his motorcycle. His motorcycle was not made of fire department ladder no. material. No. <laughs> and unfortunately, he's not either. Okay, so... How, how did he come out of this? Well, he's still experiencing what I like to call crash adrenaline. So, after... For 24 hours after a sudden event like this, you may be fooled into thinking that you're kind of not too bad. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. How I, long are you giving us? 24 hours? 24 hours okay. is what it is for me. I call it... Crash adrenaline, and it lasts 24 hours. Because I'm going to say there's a crash of adrenaline for the first. I don't need, I refuse the ambulance. Yeah. So, like, for the first, I refuse the ambulance. I have done that, like, seven times. And then later find out, like, two days later. When you have a gallon of blood in your ankles. Yeah. But you knew that you had hit. (laughs) so fucking weird, man. But for 24 hours, I refused the ambulance. I went to work. I did all my world. I, like... I was like, check me Multiple out, I'm fucking incredible. What's this softball on my knee? Right, <laughs> exactly. And then and then realize, you know, you have parts of your body Shoot. that are broken. And the swelling sets in, <laughs> and when the swelling sets in, you start to hurt, and then you go, I might not be doing so good. Here's my advice to you, take that ambulance ride every time. Well, you know, yeah. it's nothing wrong with having a professional check your shit out. Yeah. Insurance so, doesn't pay for it. <laughs> again, well, limp to the ED, what right. the hell? Exactly. But the ED? Emergency department. Oh, erectile dysfunction. I was, well. you, said, you said limp and ED in the same <laughs> sentence. There was only one place I could go. Tomato, tomato. I'm 49 years old. Limp, ED, same thing. That's it. Blue pill, good luck, pal. Ding. Right. That is exactly it. So let's just say straight away, I would like to embrace this situation from two directions. The first is it's you. The second direction is thank God it's not you. So the first thing I want to talk about, so Ryan's here today, and so you you have been the guy. So you've been the guy that has been both, you have had a crash, yep. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which time? Right. So you've had a crash, and you've also been the guy who had to deal with the results of the crash. Yep. Right. So kind of cool that you're here because you're a crash test dummy. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. I'm well, going to tell... You're half right. Right. So I'm going to say... Technically a third right. <laughs> what, what the training was, when I was a young whippersnapper, and when they were telling us what to do, which was you... Uh, Listen, check for a pulse. Wait, wait, wait. Mobilize. Are you talking as a responder or are you as talking a about as a victim? Don't as a try responder. to take their helmet off. Right. As a responder, it was all like, you know, listen. Right. ABCs. Yell yeah. for help. All right. Airway. Breathing. Breathing. Circulation. Circulation. Right? ABC. And so the, the old system was like, you know, you lean down, you yell help, you lean your head down, you look for the chest moving up and down, you listen for the sounds of breath, et cetera, et cetera, and then you, bring, you begin CPR the wrong way. Okay. <laughs> But like Can that I was right there for twenty some years CPR ago. Thing? Yeah. The general public thinks that no matter what happens to you, yeah. you get your head blown out with a shotgun. Yeah. CPR. I'm gonna do CPR on this guy. Uh, <laughs> I gotta tell you, I've done CPR like twelve times in my life, and it's never worked. Okay. Yeah, it's rare. I've lost every single person I've done CPR. <laughs> Maybe it's you. Some of them were dead when I got there, and they didn't come back. But you put on a good show. I still want you to try. Yeah, right. Well, I don't and, want everyone, you to try. Everyone wants you to try. I don't want you to try. I, I want to be because DNR. Steve will pick oh, up again, carbs. Don't you dare bring me back. Yeah. I want to be. I want to be. I don't want to be that. Guy. I don't want to be brought back. The last thing I want to feel when I'm already I died, done, I died once. Is your lips keep me dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring you back just enough so you can appreciate this. I want you pumping me with your lips on my mouth. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, everything goes out the window, and now I might laugh a little bit. Right. <laughs> He's good. He fakes that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing how long Here we go again. He wasn't daddy. He wasn't daddy. He was just in the whiskey again. (laughs) Not this year. Hey, don't you think I'm not breathing? Uh, (laughs) Now, I've had a couple of crashes too. And here's the weird thing about crashes. Your brain does this weird thing where time doesn't work the right way anymore. So time stops being linear so much and it starts being like more like, like, oh boy. This is really happening. So every time I've had a collision, racetrack or street related, my brain takes a timeout and goes, oh shit, this is going to hurt, or oh shit, this is happening. So I have the oh shit moment. So I usually like, and sometimes you brace, sometimes you prepare, and other times, like when I've been in in the car or the truck and I've been hit from behind, you don't get anything. You just get, what the fuck? And, like, your head goes back, and, like, everything goes the wrong place, and all the stuff you used to have in the back seat is in the front seat now, and everything that was in the front seat is now in the trunk, right? And hopefully you're not wearing Roman armor when that shit happens, because it's hard to explain to the fucking paramedics. (laughs) Hey, look, it's Halloween. I don't drive dress this way every day. But when you're lying on the ground... You like gladiator movies? (laughs) And your motorcycle's... Over there, right? You got to go through some shit, man. Like, your brain needs to have a program. Because if you don't have a program, you're a victim. Right? So, what's the best thing you can tell somebody for a little personal checklist if you wake up and you're not on your motorcycle anymore? Or if you are on the ground and you're not on your motorcycle anymore? What's a good place to start? In my experience, I've you just kind of do a body check, like, do I have all my limbs? Are they together? All right. 
Raise your hands up in front of your okay, that yeah, face. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't hurt too much. Okay, okay, that, that doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. Yeah, Start exactly. moving every little thing a little bit. Yeah. Left, right, okay. Uh, self-check, right? So doing, is that a self-diagnosis, right? Yeah. As You're, part of your self-check, too, if you think everything's intact, first question you ask yourself, am I going to get run over where I'm laying right here? Oh, right? that's an excellent Get question. myself... Where the fuck am I? Secure, Over, secure yourself. Secu- yeah, get yourself to the curb line. Get right. yourself to the edge oh. of the road. You might be in an oncoming lane. Yeah. Who knows? I crashed one time and I was in the oncoming lane when I landed, when I stopped rolling. I was in the oncoming lane of traffic. And that was, like, I was very disoriented. Like, I did not understand why there were people beeping at me. And why there were so many cars. Who the fuck beeps at somebody who's fucking oh, just got a crash? You know what I mean? Like, again, well, let's just well, say well, you're fucking off my well, road, you <laughs> fucking biker. Let's just well, say your bike stops. Right. Let's say your bike stops here and you go sliding down the road 100 yards. So the yeah. oncoming traffic, yeah. first thing they see is a guy laying in the road. Yeah. They're like, what's this idiot doing? Fucking bum. Yeah. They don't even realize they've come <laughs> upon an accident yet. Right, right. I was coming down the road. This guy gets hit in front of me on a bike. Mm-hmm. I was in my car. Guy gets hit. He. Immediately springs, I mean, he got hit, he was down hard, he was disoriented, he gets up, he starts walking in traffic. It was on the freeway, I and mean, it was on like a three-lane road. He's walking in the road, like staggering in the road, and people don't even stop. They're zooming around yeah. him. I mean, they're, they're trying to get around, in the, in the berm, everything, they're trying to get around this guy. I got behind him with my car to try to block what? anybody from coming behind him and just running him over, and yeah. I was going like two miles an hour and the guy was staggering around and I put it in park put my blinkers on I got up there and I grabbed the guy and I'm like hey you you know you were just in an accident and he didn't know where he was he didn't know what was going on I'm like you were just in an accident you have to stay right here and then as soon as he's bell rung shell shock oh yeah, yeah he didn't know what's yeah. going and so yeah. I, as soon as like the guy behind me they're all laying on their horns they're still trying to pass around you because they don't give a shit no they just want to get where they're going so right. the first step and so as soon as the guy next to me in the lane left of me stopped, it was one lane over, I took him right into the like into the grassy area and sat him down because I thought the guy was going to get, I mean, I thought he was going to get hit. He could wander again. So let's back up for a minute. So do a quick body check. Body if, check, right? If, if you don't have a broken leg and right. you don't have, you can, you're body mobile, you're am, uh, ambulatory, ambulatory. Right. get yourself to a spot of rest. Get to safety. Yeah. Right. Okay. Get to safety. That even off, be, I do a lot of off-road riding too and even there. Sometimes more so, it might be a blind hill or <coughs> a jump or, you know, a motocross track or something like that. The last thing you need is to get hit again. I fell out of the goddamn sky. And you're going to hurt somebody else, too. You know? And just, I fell out of the sky, but I was between two doubles. Yeah. So nobody could see. And I was in a very dangerous position because other people were using yeah, the track. right. So I was in a place that was out of view. And I had to use my shirt. And I took my shirt off and waved my shirt to signal to people around me that that I was there. Yeah. I was in a depressed, yeah, I was in a depressed state. Yeah. I was in a depressed location too. Is that when you got the pins in your leg? Yeah. 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 I got all kinds of souvenirs from that shit. So, but yeah, I had to wave. I had to literally, and I mean, I had assessed that my leg was broken. I knew that my leg was broken. You're not walking on that shit. No, there was no mm-hmm. way. Well, it wasn't, it was pointing at my, it was by my ear. Oh. So, you know, the, when your toes by your ear, your leg's broken. Uh, yeah, something ain't right. That's where you do your body check. Yeah, well, that was it. I mean, when and I knew that, like, that that was not going to be a thing I could walk on, right? 
So because walk it off. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just but a fresh wound. Right. And I mean and I was literally it was shenanigans. I was not wearing the right gear. Like the racing the dangerous part of the day was done. And I'm gonna say that again. We were racing. We had leathers, we had helmets, we had gloves, we had everything there. But the dangerous part of the day was done. We had moved on to shenanigans. Right? So we had left the safety of the road racing circuit, went on to the motocross circuit with road racing type bikes. Again, Always a good move. Great. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, and last, that's why, you know, that's why you fall out even, of the sky. I would always say, like, last run of the day when you're tired is the worst. It's, what, what's the rule? Are you guys going to do the last run? No, 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 no. We already did, second, and we made it. <laughs> we're doing our second to last run. Yeah. And it's then you my fucking last five stop. minutes on the bike. Right. Yeah. I go out for a long ride and everything like right. that, but you're five minutes from home, you're boiling down 90. Yeah. Let's see what she'll do before right. I put her, you know, like, well, I'm going to make it home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take it up to 120 mile an hour before we get off the exit. That's why those statistics are so very, Sneak very damaging that. close to your home. So, right. well, someday, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. Fire no, some days, I just tell myself, I'm not, I mean, I love to ride oh, yeah. every single day. But some days I will not ride because I don't feel like I'm in the right mental state to ride. Like, my tension yep. isn't correct. I'm not, like, I'm not focusing on anything. And I figure that... If I'm in that state, that that puts me in danger, and that makes me more susceptible to any accident because I'm not aware of what's around me. It was 36 degrees this morning. I rode in today in my full Chris Smith tribute apparel, safety green from head to toe. Um, I mean, safety green helmet, jacket. I got all I got it all going on because in the springtime, like this time of the year, people aren't used to seeing bike Nobody yet. Sees you. Right. Nobody sees you. So I'm riding a DSR. So I and got, everybody's you know, getting creamed yeah. one way or another. And the only other ro- bike on the road, so you rode tonight, you're riding. It was 34, 36 degrees, my house, snowing by the time I got here. And going down the road, I saw a cat on an 84 Honda Elite CH150 Deluxe. Nice. Pop-up headlight and everything. Nice. And he looked at me, and he was so happy to see a guy. He was waving like hell. <laughs> and I was like, is there something wrong with my shit? Because he was waving, but he was just excited to see another person on the road. Now, it's cold. There's gravel, there's grit, there's salt, and all kinds of shit out there right now. If I go down Oof. on my way home, and there's not going to be another car coming along for five or ten minutes, step one, self-check. Get, get, touch yourself, Right? Touch yourself. Be well, who's got time for that? Be aware of be aware of what's <laughs> going on with your own body. <laughs> I make time for that every day. Yeah, there's always room for you that. You only have ten minutes left in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a point. Yeah. Touch yourself. Touch yourself. Right. Get yourself so to make sure you're fine safe and get to a safe location. Right. So get to a safe location. Myself. So what do you think the third spot should be? So now you're on the side of the road, or at least you're on the grass or something. You're not there. You're like you're not in the in the shit. Summon, I say just huddle up. Go do we say position, summon nine one one at this point? Yeah. I mean, what do we do at this point? Do we I summon? Guess if nobody else has. Yeah, you have to right. call. That's well, the how first feel thing too. Is that the game? That's what I do. Yeah. I mean, are you in one piece? If not, you know, if your toe is touching your ear, you might want to call. But yeah. If yeah. you're feeling all right, <clears throat> see how your bike's doing. Where it's at. Yeah. yeah. I mean, bike. did you go off the road and the bike yeah. catapulted and stuff, or did you just low side off a corner? Or something? Are you drunk? No. Yeah. There are different techniques for that situation, and that's something that we all know about, right? Have you been drinking? Have you been drinking? Right, right. This is a this is those. No, officer. That's what I'm going to say. That's not logistics. Those are tactics. 
and there's a difference between tactics and logistics. <coughs> We're talking about logistics today. We'll talk about tactics some other time. But that's a tactic, and that is something that yeah, that's that's a thing. But yeah, if you're if you're inebriated, then other forces come to light other than your own personal safety. Let's just talk about personal safety, like you know, summoning the authorities uh, or summoning somebody that can get your ass home. Let's put a rewind on this. Yeah. When you're traveling on your bike, yeah, always have your cell phone on your body. Oh boy. Don't have it attached yeah. to the bike. Don't mm-hmm. have it in your tank bag. Yep. I'm a big proponent of the inReach also. Yeah, inReach or a spot device. I travel mm-hmm. alone a lot, and it's saved me. So, so, so we have spot devices. We have inReach, and I know that our friends in California can even pay for helicopter insurance. I don't know what inReach is. Go ahead. Um, it's a GPS tracker, okay. so people can track you. It gives off points every ten minutes or so. It's like an e-plur, like a sailboat guy would have, or okay. you know, if you're in the ocean, you hit this and the cavalry is coming to rescue you. Huh. Just one button, an SOS. I hope I've fallen and I can't. It's your inReach yeah, device, exactly. and also people can keep track if you stop moving for six hours where you're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. They can call it, call for help too. Everyone has like mm-hmm. a online profile, I guess you call it, and you can. Like when Ryan was on his trip to Alaska, you could go on the website if you knew his site, and you could see where he was, and it, it drops like a breadcrumb on a map every mm-hmm. 10 but minutes. Does it tell you, like, at the end of today, I'm going to be here? Um, so if you don't get to that point, like, I mean, if you wanted to stop early... Right. That's pretty much you, how, depends how you set it up, if you tell the people that are watching it or whatever. So then if um, you get to some place, do you say, I'm okay? Well, I mean, the, can you... So the inReach, you can. You can text with it. It's really slow. It's not... Easy to do, but because you're basically yeah. using the slowest cell phone network, just enough right. to operate GPS information, <clears throat> right? right. Or you're just the, pinging GPS. Yeah. At this point. yeah, the spot you can't do that with though. The one thing. But you right. can also have like a pre a pre done message on there that you just hit that send a pre done message, right. and it says I'm off the road for the, oh, today. Oh, okay. so it's got you, an emergency button on it, a panic button on it, essentially. But you're saying that that tells well, you that you're safe then. I'm, yeah, I'm done okay. for the day. Yep. I'm safe. Don't worry about. I think they both have like an SOS button. Okay. Which is separate from like the texting. Separate from that. Yeah. Right. That'd be great if you were like drinking whiskey or bourbon. Like, <laughs> you just have that and you know, like, you know. Every time John's running oh, that, I can press the red button. You hit the button that says bring more scotch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or bring the truck. The St. Bernard shows up with a big <laughs> wooden barrel under his chin. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've all been there. There's something dignified about those Swiss. I, yeah. I just always wish I had a bigger friend. <laughs> who can scoop me up like a little girl, <laughs> take me home, and put me in bed. And, the problem wow. is you're already the biggest <laughs> of your friends. Yeah, take me back to the paradise city. city. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a bigger friend. So that's basically Andre the Giant. Yep. Just that's it. That's, yeah, that's it. That's it. Take that's me home, put me in bed, make me feel like a little girl. John Cena. So we have electronic devices. There are electronic devices. you shared a little too much. <laughs> if you can't get to your your smartphone or your device, your hailing device, and dial nine one one to have somebody come and get your ass, there is a thing that you can have on your person. Right. That's basically the equivalent of a motorcyclist metal alert. Right. Help me! I've fallen. I can't get up. And hopefully, right. the cavalry responds promptly. Right. Right. Yeah. Is and that good hooked into the 911 system, or is that a separate system? All separate system. Yeah, I think it goes through like actual Garmin. Mm. Not, oh. they have, yeah, but they're going to call 911. Well, they'll figure out where you're at and send, you know, if you're in the middle of the <laughs> desert, they'll figure they'll, out. They'll send the closest guy that they're has not a, call your bro an ambulance have, in his no. driveway. Here's <laughs> <laughs> Steve. You don't have the I've been drinking option. And like, <laughs> is this the party right. to which I'm speaking? I can, I can yeah. be there in five minutes with a pickup truck. We'll scoop you up. Right. 
Well, that's in the, the woods. Right yeah, in the that's, woods. Yeah, that's what. That's what. Okay. And the difference here too, like he talked about the spot device and the inReach. Yeah. With the inReach, there's two-way communication, so right. you can tell them like, oh. "I broke my leg" or something. You it's know. like OnStar. I'm not good. Does it give you, like, a good. GPS coordinates of your location, then? It does. So the one time I used it, I used it in the middle of the desert in Utah. I broke a chain. I couldn't fix it. So I was using the texting. I was texting my brother, like, I'm going to have to ditch my bike and walk 20 miles back to the town or whatever. <sighs> you didn't have enough water. I didn't. I had a lot. I didn't have enough. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot, and I didn't have enough. Uh, ended up, so he knew he had GPS coordinates on me. He was finding, like, closest place I could get to, routes and stuff. So he knew exactly where I was, which is... That's handy. Very yeah, peace of mind. That's handy, yeah. Um, yeah, so it knows exactly where you're at. And so you didn't have two gallons of water? I had a lot. I don't. I had, I had a couple, probably a gallon at least. Yeah, but that's not enough for 20 miles. Enough, yeah, especially no. out there. Out there, and that's not enough for 20 miles. I ended so. up, a uh, car ended up coming through, which should not have been there. They didn't speak any English, and they <laughs> rescued me, and I kind of rescued them. <laughs> <laughs> they rescued me. They had it no idea a, where they were at. It was an impromptu Turkish <laughs> You have a car. I have a GPS. Right. Let's make sweet love. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think my chocolate's in your peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. never good when you're looking for Turns out I'm right. not <laughs> Yeah. And it turns yeah. out you have a running car. So this is great. Wind. As long as I don't end up in a pile over there somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're crossing a dry river. Bed. Other people in the back. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> if you guys can all fit in the trunk, we can go to Canada if you want. <laughs> I'll take you there. I'll get you through all the borders. Yeah. Well, that's really, I mean, that's, that's something. So you were in the middle of the desert, lost a chain, and literally, chain. Talk yeah. about finding the weakest link. Yeah. Right. Holy shit. I buried it. Buried it in the sand. When I finally got it out, I think I got a rock caught in the chain, yeah. broke it, a couple links. I, I had a master link I didn't have. Yeah. So I, ever since then, I don't travel without an extra full chain. Give yourself a full chain. Learn the lesson there. Wow. Man. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a rough spot to be in because... It was. It worked out. These French people pulled up. Like I walked like a mile, and these French people pulled up. And they they were looking for a highway, which was like 50 miles away. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you have to cross like three riverbeds, dry riverbeds, you're not in the right spot. I know where you want to be, and this but, car can't go there. Yeah. yeah, I know it's where a we're rental. at. It's a <laughs> rental. It can make it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a so rental. Luckily, you there. used to go to York Steakhouse, and they spoke French in the back. <laughs> you knew, like, the... so okay. What was so, this French guy's name? John DeVeef? Okay, so so that's great. That's a good kick in. The now you got a way to communicate with help if you need the way right. to. Right. What should you have on your person? Apparently, while I was not paying attention, I've been away from law enforcement. I've been away from serving and or protecting. I've been very selfish lately, <laughs> running my fucking empire. But apparently now there's a whole new love for tourniquets. Everybody loves tourniquets. Mm. And it's the new Tide Pods, right? <laughs> They're doing like, you know, nosebleed, neck you know, tourniquet. I, I could have brought another guest for this podcast that could have really spelled this out for us. <laughs> Wait, what? No. Okay. Ryan knows the joke of the reference here. But we know a guy that no, loves tourniquets. Tourniquets are very big right now. Yes, They're they are. fucking huge right now. Well, like, you and I were in the Army, and so right. we learned first aid. And, it, and they always said, you put a tourniquet on, you never loosen it, you never take it off, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you put a T on their forehead. Yeah, that's all That's all gone Out away, of their apparently. own blood or yeah. feces. Well, okay, here's a case in point. Remember three, four years ago, there was a guy that got hit out here on one of the highways in the right. Cleveland area. Yeah. And... Um, a car sideswiped him, and the guy made a tourniquet out of a 
raincoat on his own leg. He okay. was a police officer. All right. Um, right. Saved his own life, basically, because sure. it was a femoral bleed or something. Right. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. saved his own right life. On, yeah. Man. Lost his leg, but he, he didn't bleed out. He didn't lose that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. Didn't lose his life, just lost his leg. But the new thinking is, like, just because you put a tourniquet on someone, you're not going to lose that limb necessarily. Now, even though this one guy did, like, supposedly not everyone does. Regardless, probably. Oh, it was gone no matter what. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> if you're at the point where you're is literally... That, is that because of the advanced in vascular, vascular surgery, you think? I don't know. Well, I look like a fucking doctor. <laughs> no, you sound like that. <laughs> if you're in an accident, should you come up and give the person water or aspirin or anything? Mm. No. no, I. Yeah, we're gonna get to the point of you have sh- you have stumbled upon the victim. Okay. Right now, I'm still the victim. I'm on the side okay. of the road. Well, even if you're the victim, right? Don't take anything. Don't drink anything. Don't do anything. Yeah. Because if you have to go into surgery or something like that, you don't want anything in your stomach. It you could don't be want true. I guess that yeah. makes sense, right? Yeah, that's okay. Bad time to have steak dinner. Don't bust okay, out. Okay, let's just say you're not even injured real badly, but you you've done your self assessment. You're good. Right. You're in a place of refuge. Right. I'm not moving the bike, especially if there's another vehicle involved. <clears throat> Leave it right there, because when the police come, they're going to do their investigation. Everybody's going to be happier if that bike's where it was at the yeah. point of death. Right, and then they'll tell you, you can't park your bike there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'm riding a motorcycle. i got to carry some things on me so that when I end up on the ground and my bike is no longer under me, if part of me that used to be on me isn't on me anymore, I can deal with that shit. What should I have in me or on me, near me? Well, Sing, a single shot pistol. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. okay. Like I said before, have your cell phone on you. Right. And you can get GPS coordinates off your cell phone. Sure. If you call 911, they said, where are you? Right. You're like, I don't know exactly where I am. I'm on Country Road right. 123 in the middle of Ideally, Ballpark, Egypt. Ideally, you can see a mile marker, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. if you're, you're on the interstate, yeah. but you can go to the GPS on your phone, yeah. and you can tell them, these are my the coordinates. GPS coordinates. Yeah. And if you're talking to any sort of capable dispatcher, they, they'll know who to Tell me a little bit about clotting gauze pads. Um, well, I don't carry them, but right. um, they supply them. Right. It wouldn't be a bad idea. I travel really light. I, I don't really keep much medical stuff with me right. necessarily, but I look at like different stuff, what you have that you can use. You know, I've always thought of like typical, like a common motorcycle injury, you break a collarbone. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. High side's almost guaranteed yeah. a broken collarbone. So you got t-shirts, you can make a splint, Belt. something like that. Yeah. Try to get the pressure off your shoulder. It's going to give you a lot more comfort. Right. You're not going to get a lot of use back out of the, the extremity right. when you get a broken collarbone, but you can feel better about it. What about you're exactly. off-road and you get a stick through your leg? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. That would suck. That would so, suck. Yeah. That so, works. That happens. That was called sticking the landing? Yeah, it is. Um, so here's what I have in my ruck. Okay. So I have a rucksack that goes with me anywhere I go, and I'm traveling or doing anything else. It's my just my little basic day pack that I have, and I've got about four feet of duct tape flat rolled. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's flat rolled. So basically what that means is it's just about a three, and it, it's smaller than anybody's wad of cash in their pocket. But four feet of Gorilla Tape is your answer to a lot of fucking problems. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I have is I got a Sharpie marker because they're fucking cool. But then in a, around the... Put your own key sh- on your own forehead that way? That's it. <laughs> well, you can, also, you can tag stuff, let people know you're there. But, it, but around the Sharpie marker, because you have that space, you know, Sharpie marker takes some space, I've got safety wire. So I've got safety wire spun up, and there's about three feet or four feet of safe moose stainless steel safety wire spun up on that. So 
Between the duct tape, I can close a lot of wounds. Yep. Um, with the safety wire, I can do a lot of weird things on the bike if I need to. Um, belts and shoelaces and all those kind of things are tourniquet material. And I guess the deal with the tourniquets these days is you install a tourniquet simply by wrapping the belt-like device around above the injury, tightening it and restricting pressure so you can kind of just not quite get your pinky in there, but the blood flow stops, and so it's no longer bleeding out onto the sidewalk. You'll know when you've achieved greatness. And then release it occasionally. It's not just going to be on there forever. You don't want to turn. Or are we saying it's okay to leave it on there forever? If you're if you're in any sort of populated area, area, you should have help within twenty minutes. Just leave it. Leave it the fucking low. Don't try to lose. Don't touch it. Because you're going to undo all the good you did. So if you're going to be more than forty minutes, then you might want to think about changing the situation. Right. If you're in the middle of desert in Utah, BFE. Right. Think about that. And then how much of less? How much of your extremities left? Are you really going to save it or not? Because then maybe tightening your tourniquet, putting everything on lockdown, which means putting a stick behind it, rotating the stick, and then securing the stick in its tight and locked fashion against what's left of your stump, future stump, right? And that's the idea behind a tourniquet. So you can then use your hands for something other than direct pressure because you'll need your hands to do all kinds of other things to help your situation. Your marine. I would think gun. after I get my tourniquet on, right now I'm going to start trying to treat the fucking wound. It's not bleeding, so what can I wrap around that? Sure. I try to like, yeah, that's a know, great. Like, I mean, that is an absolutely. And great maybe plan. I can get once I stop the fucking blood from shooting out, and yeah. I get it wrapped up really tight. Yeah. I can ease it off, and it's clotted up a little bit to where it's not fucking. I'm bleeding. I looked on Amazon, and those pads, the in the army, you know, we used we used what was called field dressing or compression dressing or whatever, but basically it's a, a plastic bag, a little plastic envelope, so to speak, that's sealed, so there's no bacteria in it, and then there's essentially a a 4 by 4 square of gauze that's, you know, about an inch thick, and it's wrapped with a gauze-like bandolier, or a strap, and the idea behind this is, depending on where you tie the knot around the wound, and you can either exert a lot of direct pressure on the wound, if it's a puncture-type wound, or you can have the, the knot and the the thing distributed, have the pressure distributed over the area better. The idea being you're going to keep the wound clean. You're hopefully going to stop the bleeding. Well, they make the same thing now, but it has a cauterizing agent built into it, which I've seen people use the cauterizing powder they're supposed wrong. To work, they're supposed to work very good, though, when you yeah. do use them. Yeah, when you've got something that you're losing a lot of blood in a hurry, these things are four-pack is like 18 bucks on Amazon. So if you have them, they're very small. I mean, they're smaller than your wallet. If you could tuck one of those in your jacket pocket and you end up with a puncture injury or a, a big laceration of some sort, boy, you're going to be really glad you have that. Because I've, I've been in a situation where I lost more blood than I was comfortable losing. And the last thing that happens is you're no longer helpful to yourself. You just kind of disappear. But there's nothing left to take care of the wound at that point unless somebody stumbles along and finds you. So it doesn't take real long to lose a lot of blood real fast if you tap into any of the good ones. And a femoral artery, you can drain on that in under half an hour. You can be no good to anybody. Oh, easy, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Less than that, yeah. So if you're not getting some kind of professional medical help within 20 or 30 minutes, where I crashed in Denver, it took an ambulance almost an hour to get there. And we weren't, like, in the way back, way back, but we were on a track or, you know, 
a very low budget track that was in the hinterlands. And by the time the call got through the volunteer fire department and they got their one ambulance from 20 minutes to get to the department, you got it. Pick up the rig. Yeah. There's plenty of places in Ohio you. that are like that. Exactly. By the time we got, by the time somebody came to help me with the compound fracture, we had a situation where I had been on my own for almost an hour. Now, I had helped my friends. I had given them missions. And, of course, you know, go, go find me some tape or go find me some rope or go find me some twine. Go find me a stick. Because I'm gonna, we're gonna try to reduce this fracture, and we're gonna try to, you know, reducing a fracture. Fracture is basically putting things in the line they're supposed to be in, so that you're not doing more damage to your soft tissue by the broken bone. And if you can reduce a fracture by moving your body around where your extremity is or where it should be, then you can put a fixed support there, stick, whatever, motorcycle fender, whatever you got, and then immobilize the rest of the extremity so that you are having things kind of pointing where they should be so that the broken bone isn't cutting more flesh or cutting more veins or whatever, making your situation worse by picking you up and trying to move you around. Take a beef bone or a chicken bone or something and yeah. snap it and see how sharp Super the sharp. fucking edges are. Radial sharp, crazy sharp. Mm-hmm. And like, most, most guys carry tire irons perfect straight. Yeah. Boy, that's a really good strong. splint, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, tire iron's an excellent splint. Probably could fix your wrist or something or like a, yeah. a forearm or something. You could probably take that enough to get home on. So having a few resources for yourself isn't a terrible idea. Duct tape, I've found, works for pretty much everything. You know, it's a man band-aid. You know, duct tape and you know, something behind it. You can deal with the infection later, but let's stop the bleeding now. Better than nothing. Man, better than just losing all your blood, right? Yeah. There's something else, too. If you think you've done something to your lower leg, your ankle, and yeah. you're not in a place where you're going to get immediate help, don't take your boot off. Take your boot Ooh. off, unclamp your boot to look at it or something. That thing that's, swells up. That's interesting. Keep the boot on there. It's going to keep it. That's so a much great idea. Contained and aligned. That's a really good idea. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Okay, so now you just watched your buddy eat shit. Mm-hmm. You're the first man there. Keep going. Don't be that <laughs> You know what? Do you hey. like him or no? <laughs> Somebody else will Good go. Samaritan's <laughs> overrated. <laughs> I'll be the bad Samaritan today. When you see when the cops show up, don't stop. <laughs> You're the one to pull over. You're the one getting in trouble. Look, that person is a first responder. Why should I get involved? They got lights on their car and everything. I'm going to get as far away from the scene of the crime as I possibly can. I'll call all the hospitals. We'll figure out where you are. I don't think I've ever done that, actually. <laughs> Somebody hit on this earlier. Yeah. The first thing you want to do is like yank their helmet off. Don't don't yank their helmet off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure most people should know that. I would hope you would hope so, but I, I I have yeah. no faith in humanity. I don't know. <laughs> it, it deserves being said again. Some good Samaritan is going to come and try to yank your helmet. And my off. tendency with the way I wear a helmet is way tighter than most people wear a helmet. I like a racer fit. I like a helmet to remind me that it's on my head at all times. If somebody were to try to take getting my own fucking helmet off can be a challenge. You know, uh, if somebody who isn't me is trying to take my helmet off, it's going to, it's going to suck. It's Even a perfectly be, healthy film might so, sustain some injury. Exactly. Yeah, right. So. Like, but, yeah. but if the person that just got into the accident, he's, he's an adrenaline rush. Yeah. If he tries to get his helmet off, should you tell him, just, just wait, just don't take it off. Just yeah. cool down. If you can convince you him can to leave it on. Yeah. I mean, depending on what stage, if he's pretty banged up, obviously, you know, try to keep him still. And 
It's hard to do, though. Well, you have to weigh it. I mean, are you going to start trying to wrestle the guy down? Right. right. That's, I mean, that's like, right. I can't, yeah, force you not to right. take your helmet off. I mean, yeah. I What's the best technique? Your first responder, when you deal with somebody who's ape shit, like after the crash, crash adrenaline? It, you know. It's hard to deal with, for yeah. sure. It's a real thing. Trying and to help people, them, but yeah. by the same token. You don't want to do any more damage, but you want to keep them as still as you can, but, you know. Go so, straight for the fentanyl? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to feel warm. Yeah. <laughs> Flow over your body, but yeah, That's it a, is true. You you show up on the scene and somebody's on the ground or whatever. They're in fucking terrible right. shape. So the first thing we always learn is, kind of, it was mentioned before, but make sure they don't get hit secondary. Yeah, or, you know, right. scene or safe. You get hit while you're right. trying to help them. Right. So it's a crappy, scene. You know, um, you could have a buddy do that or whatever. See if they're breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff. Airway breathing, circulation is the ABCs. Um, Give them a kick, see if they move. Delegating yeah, with a stick usually. <laughs> delegating is really good. Like when you arrive on scene, yes. for for a moment, you're going to be the only person there. Well, you're the only person that's worth a shit because he's in, he's fucked, right? So you're the only person there that's worth a shit. Call nine one one, right? And be so, specific. Say like, Pete, call nine one one, right? You know. But it, the second somebody else shows up, now we have to determine who's better at this. Who's leading, yeah. right? Because I've been in that situation where I have been a combat trained person a law enforcement trained person but then somebody shows up who's a nurse and I'm super happy because a nurse is going to be way better than I am at this don't automatically but don't that. assume that because it, sometimes yeah. that nurse they may be a metro nurse or, or an ER nurse very experienced or they right. may be working in a doctor's office or senior not citizens home or something right? and there's nurses that work right. only under situation. the direction of a doctor in a very sterile hospital setting right. and this is on the side of the road right. somewhere where shit's hitting the fan no tools. and that's where somebody like a paramedic <clears throat> is much more field experienced mm-hmm. and being in the true field than in the hospital setting. I've seen guys arrive on a crash scene and I've seen two trained medical well two trained first responders have a debate about who was going to take lead on a situation. Yeah. And that's pretty disgusting. It's kind of a but, dick measuring contest. Yeah, you know, it is a dick measuring contest. You know, because these guys are in uniform, and their uniform tells you something about who they are and what their skill level is. You want lead? Fuck yeah. That well, that's right what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Right, exactly. <laughs> the, sooner, the sooner you want to take care of the situation, the faster I'm gone. But it is a thing that, you know, it doesn't hurt if you are going to take charge of the situation to delegate some other things like traffic control or calling 911 or you know if the phone's already on 911 if you've already hit 911 and send don't hang the fucking phone up hand the phone to somebody else and keep them talking because getting information to the emergency personnel is really important well here's another good point to bring up if you call 911 on your cell phone yes. you're going to get I have control. a Cleveland area cell yeah. phone Yep. So I could be in southern Ohio. I could be near Columbus, Cincinnati. I could right. be in any state. And when you call 911, guess where it's going? It's going to go back to Cuyahoga County, Cleveland, yeah. Ohio. Right. And so you have to be able to tell them where you're at, or mm-hmm. whoever has your phone has to be able to say. They can't just say, I'm in front of Johnson's Market over here or something. They have to say, I'm yeah, that's in a good point. whatever county on whatever state route. And they have to be able to give explicit directions. I'm in Jellup, Missouri. Right. There's a good forethought too. Just know where you're at all the time, even if you're in a group or it's easy to get behind in front of somebody and just, <laughs> just rail. Them, but yeah, where the fuck are we? Yeah. Man? I have no idea. <laughs> and we I'm talked at the about corner of oh fucking hell. Yeah, between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. That's a good point. Know but, um, where you are. 
when there's a scene and there, people do start collecting, yeah, you need to delegate to one person. And say, go upstream, put your car like across the lane, oh, traffic control, man. just you yeah. know, a quarter mile up the road or something. Yeah. Just so that, you know, you can slow people down as they're coming. Because you don't want somebody coming around the corner. And hitting all 12 of you. And making shit yeah. go 10 That's times it. worse. We've right? all, I've been in that situation where we've had a, a motorcycle on the side of the road. One guy with one stupid little problem on the side of the road. And now eight people stop to help. Yeah. And yeah. now that eight people stop to help, the, the one guy was off on the burn. He was fine. He was over in the gravel. No problem. By the time 12 people stop to help, they're now hanging it out by the double yellow. And now you get the Winnebago coming around the corner with Grandma in it. She's driving for the first time. She's got the boat on the back. And now what's going to happen? There's 12 bikes, and half of them are hanging out in the road. You might be around the curve or over a oh, rise. Oh, fuck, or... man. You know? So, yeah, you're right. Send somebody downstream. Definitely make people aware there's a crash. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to have five or six different cell phones calling in for help at the same time either. Because if one guy's phone is ringing in goddamn Cuyahoga County... Maybe the other guy who actually lives in San Diego, his phone's going to the more local mm-hmm. emergency medical service, you know, or first responders. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big thing. Uh, you show up, don't take the helmet off, obviously. Uh, what'd you say? A, a is airway. Airway, right? Yeah, breathing. Breathing. And then circulation. And then circulation. Sure they got a heartbeat. Right. So, so step one for airway is, is he breathing? Right. You know, you... You can lose blood for a very long time, but you cannot lose air for a long time. Right. You know? I don't care if you're fucking Aquaman. You're going to die, you know, at some point if you don't have air. So airway is kind of clutch at this point. If you have to make a decision between, you know, helmet on and helmet off, well, let's work on that airway first, right? Right. If the guy's not breathing... Helmet might have to come off. The helmet might have to come off. So so you got A, B, C. So D and E is dilation and evacuation. (laughs) I got it. Dilation (laughs) and evacuation. Yeah, what he said. I don't think I need to be doing that at this phase. Right. Hey, you're really fucked up, so you won't mind this at all. (laughs) Pull the old Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yep. Looks like he had corn. Uh, no, I don't think so. That's your problem right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you didn't clear the jets. <laughs> do, you imagine, do you imagine trying to give somebody anything hey, res- hey, resembling yeah, rescue breathing with a full-face helmet on? Mm-hmm. Right? Have you even thought about that? Sorry, Dave, you're going to die. Why? That Shirai, that Shirai is on way too tight. Yeah. You know? I like the modular helmet. That's another good reason. I mean, yeah, yeah. You can do that with a modular. Pop the hood up. At least you can get to their face. You can at least see if they're breathing or not. Yeah, I've I've wondered about that. I mean, I had a I had a, I mean, I personally had a crash where I was like, wow, I really want to get this helmet off my head, and it was a struggle, and I had a broken hand, so it was really really hard for me to do the strap with a broken hand. My hand did not work to take my own helmet off, and I'd never really practiced trying to get my helmet off with my other hand. And that's a weird rookie mistake. It's a rookie mistake, exactly, right? So, yeah, that is a thing. Like, so when you think about airway, when you think about breathing, and when you think about circulation, okay, that's that's definitely those are the, the primaries. That's that's it. Yeah, yeah, because we're gonna lose you real quick if you don't have any of those three things. Yeah, right? if you don't have those. Yeah, it's pretty much game. Don't worry about the <laughs> The twenty minutes for the ambulance to get there is gonna it be is pretty not. irrelevant at that point. Yeah. But if you can get somebody who you want to do. Has a big neck injury, 
I mean, who here has actually seen a human being's trachea swell up? Because it can happen. You take an impact here, it swells up, and it restricts your own body can restrict your own airway. And it's a thing that you might have to deal with as a motorcycle helmet strap does tend to run right across your neck. And if you get into a head impact type scenario with a motorcycle, there could be some neck injury there that could result in a guy laying there who looks like he's fairly okay, but he's not breathing right. Let's hope the fuck you had a helmet on. Yeah. Because yeah. we saw pictures of Johnny's helmet and other helmets. And I, yeah. you know, we've and all a, seen the pictures of helmets. A well-fitting helmet. Too. Yeah, a good fitting helmet. Yeah. yeah, good fitting helmet. Because I've also come with people where the top of their helmet, the part that used to be above their eyes, was down around their chin. Mm. And that ain't good. That leaves the whole back door open on the back of the helmet. And, and that's the juicy spot. That's the juicy spot. The yeah. Medulla Oblongata and all that fun stuff back there. The, yeah. Does most of the newer helmets <clears throat> come with the quick release? No, helmet? it's still. You, but you can still buy that add-on and yeah, just put them quick in clips your, and stuff like right. that are available. Yeah. The helmet I rode in today happens to have a ratchet, a little, you know, yeah, a little, yeah. you know, device on it. Um, but I don't have that in all my helmets. I mean, that's this. The helmet I rode in today is one of those Kabuto, you know, you know, Kabuto helmet, and it's got that ratcheting yep. device. Yep. Yeah. That has a, a device, but what's funny about this is if you pull this strap, it's, it's going to release that cam, that buckle um, on this one. But I have seen some other helmets that if you pull this strap hard this way, it doesn't do shit. You have to pull it the other way. Oh. So this particular helmet, was the designer was smart enough that if you pull this strap, the little spring clip on there, any direction, any way, it's right. going to release. But I have other helmets, and I have a Nolan that if you pull this thing, you can pull this strap as hard as you want to yeah. pull it. The, that yeah. direction, it is never going to release. Have, it has to pull that yeah. way. It has to, yeah, yeah, it has to pull the other way. And, you know, different manufacturers, there is not a ton of consistency among being able yeah. to take a helmet off. Like, and we watch customers in here deal with it all the time that are like, hell, they can't get the damn thing on, let alone get it off in a hurry, right? So different strap mechanisms do tend to work a little bit differently. And um, I would always I've say, what's that? Yeah, I would say that cut the strap, man. You know, like yes. if, if a helmet's got to come off, you're gonna, if you're going to take a helmet off, you're going to commit to it. I would say cut the strap. It's already had an impact. That's how we, it's dead. most of us would do it. Yeah, I would never, ever try to unbuckle yeah. a helmet. I would just cut the strap. Because what a, what a nice way to send a message that you shouldn't wear that helmet again, is if the strap's fucking cut. Well, but, they also say if you get in an accident with the helmet, you should replace the helmet anyhow. Of course. That's true. I think so, they say if you drop it. If right? you drop it, man. Like, we our rule in the shop says there's places here in the shop that say handle it your own risk because if you drop it, it's yours. Right? Mm -hmm. And anytime I see somebody grab, like, a Bell Bullet $499 helmet, I can yell at them from across the shop and say, just letting you know. If you drop it. If you drop that, you own it. And it's an extra small. So I hope <laughs> your girlfriend's tiny because your Clydesdale head ain't going to fit in that fucking thing. And there's a life. What's the life on most of them? Isn't there a life? Usually we like to tell people that a helmet is good for about five years and then after five years it should be replaced. Um, a lot of helmets after more than five years the inside of the helmet will start to deteriorate mm. and it'll get all 
and you take the helmet off and it'll look like you've, you've just been a chim chim cheree, uh, that's a real good indication your helmet's failing, is if any part of the liner starts to break down. Uh, expanded polystyrene foam, EPS foam, that these things are built out of is basically beer cooler material, and it does have a functional shelf life. Um, Chris Smith has a boat hanging in his house that is made out of EPS, right? And it's ancient, right? He uses it for a helmet. But it's very, very brittle, <laughs> right? You can't be careful with that 1964. Thing. Right. Jeez. And we have some helmets hanging up on the wall over there that are from the <clears throat> 60s, 70s, and 80s. And some of the helmets that I have are from 1985. I got a couple of Bell Star 80s and mm-hmm. stuff that were like Honda Race Team helmets. They've never been worn. They've been in a box on a shelf their entire life. I've only opened them up, taken them out of the box for display. And that being said, the liners in them are all disintegrated. So if you were to put it on your head, it'd be hilarious. It'd look like you came out of somebody's chimney because all that black liner material would be all over your head. So some of it is intelligent design where they design a helmet to fail or the materials are known to have a certain lifespan. Other times, it's just good housekeeping. Yeah, I do own 10-year-old helmets that I love dearly and I don't want to stop wearing them. So I still have them. I also have helmets that I bought and spent way too much money on and when they got to be six years old or something the material the kevlar that they were made of the coatings that were on the kevlar started to turn into weird other materials which made them no longer fun to have as helmets because like the cat would stick to them like like all these things that are resins and polycarbonate uh coatings and things all started to break down over time and so instead of being able to run your hand across it, it became gummy or bad, whatever. Anytime a helmet's not optimal, get rid of the fucking thing, man. Like, and helmets get cooler over time. Like, they become better. Cooler. Right? I mean, like, shit. Who would want to be rocking around in that, like, 1988 Taurus full-face helmet I had when I first got my first full-face helmet? Like, by today's standards, that helmet was fucking garbage. It was heavy, and it didn't fit right, and it didn't, you know... It didn't cut through the air well, whereas these things today are pretty cool. They got like built-in sunglasses and shit. Like <laughs> helmets are cool. Like helmets are great thing to, you know, a good way to up your game is to get a good helmet. Um, if I'm coming up to somebody on the scene of the crime and I'm trying to deal with them right off the bat, ABCs. That's you know, yeah. that's a great, that's a great starting point. And then she'll, you know, if telling being cool in a situation is so valuable. Mm-hmm. If you're cool, they're cool. If you can tell them it's no big deal, um, that's a good point. Minimize yeah. the situation, minimize the stress. Shock does more damage than mm. anybody can imagine. Just oh my god, I can fucking see your heart right now. Don't walk up like, oh my god, you fall. Oh, fuck, dude, you're fucking yeah, you're dead, dead, dude. I'll yep. tell you, we've all. <laughs> Renee was laying on the road. Her foot was open like a typewriter. Right? I mean, you could see everything. Open like a typewriter. You look on the top of an antique typewriter. Yeah, you see what's going on, right? You know the way all those keys work. You instantly have all your questions answered about how a typewriter works. Well, the top of her shoe was back on the road somewhere, right? And all you could see everything inside of the top of her foot, see how her foot worked. There was no question about how a foot worked when you looked at that. And it was right down to the bone material. All the red part, the chicken meat stuff was pulled back, and the top of the bones were polished clean. And... Not all the little piggies were in attendance anymore, right? 
this little piggy went somewhere on Route 2. One little piggy was on the market. Right. We don't know where they were. But the point being... liquefied on the highway. I was behind her when the crash happened. I stopped so suddenly the car, the truck behind me hit me. But not hard enough to knock me down. I parked the bike. I went up to the situation. I got her foot elevated. The bike was on its side. There was nothing I could do about that. We were where we were in traffic. The traffic was stopped behind me. I elevated her foot. The, 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 the apparent injury, she was already on her back. I took the most visible injury that I could see and immediately put something under it. Yeah. <clears throat> Just to get it up because I could see that it would be, it's a bleeder. It's an extremity and it's an open area with a lot of surface area. It's going to bleed. The best thing you can do at that point is try to minimize that. But then you want to triage the situation by finding out what the fuck else is going on. That's not the worst thing. It wasn't shooting blood across the street. It was manageable-ish. I took the opportunity to elevate that real quickly, and I moved on to checking out the rest of her. Right? And I talked to her. She was conscious. I asked her what was up, asked her if she had any pain anywhere, and then just started very carefully going over the rest of the systems. Now, fortunately, she had a hurt elbow. She had a hurt shoulder that... The, very good motorcycle riding jacket she had on did its job. The helmet did its job. Unfortunately, she was wearing, you know, trainers. She was wearing sports shoes, you know, not boots, not riding gear. And that's why they opened up the way they did when her foot got pinned between the bike and the pavement. The weight of the bike put pressure on the front of her foot and erased the top of her foot. Well, once I had her foot up and that was great, I yelled for the guy that was standing there that, you know, was behind me. He was doing some traffic control for us. I yelled for him to dial 911, which he had already started doing. And we had some medical help there within about, I'd say, 12 minutes, 13 minutes. The EMS supervisor that showed up got to the scene. At this point, her helmet was still on. She was laying flat. I checked out the rest of her. She was okay otherwise. I had managed to yoink the flat bike around so she, I could get both of her feet up because elevating somebody's feet is a great way to keep shock from settling in. And it's a good way to keep the important blood up in the area here so you keep the person conscious and awake and alert and whatever. I had got her feet up. She was relatively comfortable, all things considered. I wasn't worried about any more blood loss. She wasn't losing a lot of blood at the, the injury. I felt like we were pretty good at that point. I didn't have any more assets with me. I was just waiting for a trained help to arrive. When they arrived, first medic on the scene looks down and he went, Wow, that foot is fucked up. <laughs> Thank you for your professional opinion. <laughs> How do you think Renee's situation went? Twelve minutes into having a, the most traumatic experience of her life. We hadn't said the word foot yet. Nobody had said the word foot. For all she knew, her foot was fine. She wasn't in a good position to see her foot. Right? You might have been hiding a foot from her a little bit. Right. And you kind of... We just didn't see that. I was telling her that we were cool. You know what? We're going to ha- take you to the hospital. We're going to get you checked out. You'll be fine. You know what? So far as I can tell, your neck's fine. I think... You know what? We're going to get you to the hospital. We're going to get you checked out. We're going to take care of everything as it comes along. Right? But don't panic. This is not a big deal. You can move your fingers. You can move your knees. You're fine. You can move your head around. We're just going to go to the hospital and check you out. I've already called our friend Joe, let him know that we've got a situation. And the, once the paramedics get here, everything's going to fine. We're going to transport you. I'm going to take care of the, getting the bikes off the road. Don't worry about any of that. 
we got one lane of traffic open and functional so the ambulance can get here. Remember, if you arrive at the scene of the crime, make sure there's a way for the ambulance to get there. Mm. You do not want to create a situation the ambulance can't get through. Do not make it into a six-lane traffic jam. Keep traffic flowing so that, that help can get to you. When that guy came up and said, that foot is fucked, what do you think I wanted to do to that guy? Thanks. All my good work. Everything I'd done so carefully. And now I got somebody who's about to panic and freak out. Somebody who I care about. Yeah, that was a dickhead thing for him to do. Yeah, you can see the top of somebody's foot. You don't need to share that with the rest of the class. We all, we're all here. We're, we all showed up at the same accident. Yeah, keep your mouth shut, put her on the damn thing, and let the guy who's going to do something about it do something about it. Yeah, it should all be magic. But no, this guy had to make it, like, this guy had to be, like, funny. But Coming that... right up. That made the rest of the event really fucking terrible. She wasn't a squirmy mess before. She turned into a squirmy mess. She wasn't panicking before. She was panicking after that. She became very, very, very concerned about the state of, like, was she going to have a foot for the rest of her life? Because when somebody says, man, that foot is fucked up, what are you you inclined to believe? And it's a paramedic who's probably seen some fucked up shit. Exactly. (laughs) I don't want the trained professional coming in and telling me that I set the new standard for fucked up. (laughs) Right? So yeah, it's pretty Those bad. Fuckers are always drunk. Well, yeah. that's a. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, the way you act on the scene is every bit as important as what you effectively do on the scene. Do not become a bigger part of the problem. Do not freak the fuck out. Don't be dancing around. What do we do? What do we do? To that point, too, a lot, a little bit of blood can look like a lot to a <laughs> lot of people, especially if it's wet or. You it know, goes a long way, doesn't it? Dump a cup of glass of water on you know on the ground or whatever. And, that's like me. I had to walk away from that because I can't, yeah. even, I can't <laughs> even think about that stuff. So yeah. it makes me... It's a weird vibe. I mean, Squeamish? No, it does. That, it does. I mean, I don't know how you guys do it. Yeah. You know what I think about on the road? I bring extra food and, and water, you know, yeah. in case I break down. I never think about... I mean, I, I have, I'm one of the people that think if you don't think about it, it's not going to happen. You're going to bring it on yourself if you think about it. Right. So yeah, no self-fulfilling prophecies in your world. Right. <laughs> no, I do I'm spend a lot of time what if. I mean, if I like see anything like that, I can. Yeah. I what if everything. I've been what ifing since I was yeah. a little kid. My whole world is about what ifing. And so if you what if everything, you're going to have a better idea of what you can do in a situation. And what if something, and if you don't have the answer for it, look it up. There's a book. There's a there's a website. There's a page. I pretty much just let all my shit hang out and then just surround myself by people like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hope for the best. I'm in good hands. Yeah, that's it. You know, you, you think about your go-to guy, and if the go-to guy's not in the room and it's not you, you have You're a problem. <laughs> that's it. You have a fucking problem. I'm just gonna try to keep breathing. Until right. Somebody comes yeah. along. And fucking. I've had a horrible bandsaw accident, and I've looked around and I realized I'm proper fucked. <laughs> that's just it. Yeah. There's nothing I'm going to fucking do. And that's the thing is like, don't, you know, if you're your only, if you're your only best support, if you are the only chance of survival you have in the room, you better make sure you've got your shit together. I mean, if I'm squirting blood, I'm going to start squirting on somebody else. <laughs> hey, that's it. I'll take, you know what? I can, I'll look at a Get gallon of blood, but don't show me four ounces of poo. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to see four ounces of poo that's anywhere that, it's not that, supposed that, to be. That show me. That first Steve comes in. <laughs> four tons of poo. Yeah. I don't really. Yeah, I was very surprised when I found out how many times a person will poo themselves when they're not supposed to in a stressful situation, or at the scene of the crime, or giving birth. To, 
Yeah. Turns out Pooh <laughs> likes to just jump out at people. <laughs> it turns out it's barely inside of us at all. Like, the fact that we're hanging onto it really is a tribute to... Shit and get. There's a whole fight and fight. Right. Exactly. Like, right. Shit yeah. and then get. I, I, again, I hope I'm never that scared. Ever. Ever that scared. Because I might have to kill myself. <laughs> that's it. So, all right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I'm going to kill myself. We get it back. It was going to come to an end eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought it was going to be better than this. So, uh, that's about it for us. The, Wait, uh, I want to add one more thing. Well, do we do keep them and how? Yeah. There's one thing I keep in the pocket of my riding jacket. Yeah. It's very basic, but I have a first-hand account of somebody who did a little whistle. They make oh, those, like, yeah. survival whistles. Yeah. So this guy high-sided, broke his leg, went down over an embankment. So you couldn't see him from the road. You couldn't see wow. the bike from the road. Wow. And he had a whistle, and, he had a whistle. and somebody heard him. Just yep. saw a YouTube video of that guy. Some guy out in California, something happened with the steering, whatever. I think he just panicked a little bit. Yeah. But he goes flying off the edge of a cliff, and he's... Two hundred yards down over the fucking hill. That's a really good idea. And he he ended that guy in particular. There was no yelling for help. He ended up crawling up with broken ribs and everything. Yeah. Well, how many how times can you yell, him? especially with like a broken yeah. rib or something? Well, for how and long? Who, and how far is that sound going to travel? But you know how a whistle the sound oh, sure. travels. Yeah, yeah. And whistle. you can buy those little survival whistles yeah. for like ninety nine cents or something. To that point, I keep my phone and my inReach on me. Because yeah. I figure if I leave the bike, yeah, yeah. you got to have it in Which your pocket. Which you usually do. You got to have it in your pocket. So instead of a, a, a brass bladed scraper, maybe we need to get whistles. Excuse me. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story. How Christmas is coming. A whistle saved these people's life. I was up in New York. It was yeah. in the fall after nobody's around. So mm-hmm. there's nobody around up there. It's just like barren. New York's closed. Nobody. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, no, it's a nobody. vacation place. I'm, you're, I'm on a lake, and the lake's a mile wide and three miles long. Okay. And. I just happened to, I mean, I'm, I was getting ready to go home. I went out on the deck, and I'm I'm drinking a beer. I'm just sitting back waiting, you know, like just hanging out the last, you know, day of the summer. Night. It wasn't no, even summer. No, it was kind of bad weather. This right. dude's going, what's that fucking wind? whistle? No. <laughs> I'm serious. No. Wish they'd so knock then it off. our friends came up there. I'm sitting there with three people, and all yeah. you hear this, whoop, whoop, whoop. Just like that. Like, yeah, you, you didn't even know what it was, and you were looking you're like an around because it's reflecting <laughs> off the house. You think it's oh, coming okay. from the house, right. and you hear like a, this. So you're, and I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah. I went in the house, I got my binoculars, and I'm looking and, out and on the lake. And another beer. Okay, so I'm looking out <laughs> on the lake because there were two foot, I mean, two foot waves are big on that lake, I mean, because there's no uh, yeah. fetch. Looking out on the lake, I see an overturned canoe a half a mile out. Oh, do you? A half a mile wow. from shore, and I, I mean, they were exactly like a half mile from that shore, in equidistance, yeah. and they were a half a mile out. They were fucked. So there's like the canoes like They're this, fucked. it's floating. Yeah. There's a guy in a, the, the lady's hanging out, and the water was 52 degrees. Okay. The lady's hanging on the canoe, and the guy is in the, in the kind of like hanging. But he's got a life jacket. Yes. He right. only had one life vest. One life jacket between the two of them. So, the my two partners Sorry, who honey. were out with me, <laughs> yeah, got their got our kayaks out, yeah, and we tied some line to the kayaks so that people can sure. travel out. Right. I ran around to the other end of the thing. I called nine eleven. I called nine one one. Got the ODNR. Came out without a boat. And I said that this is a water rescue. It's a water rescue. out in the water. But Step one, whistle, bring boat. But that whistle is what saved their life yeah. because you barely heard it. 
but from a half mile away, that's shocking. You could hear this very faint whistle, and I picked it up. They oh, they could have yelled for it. hours. You never would have heard it, and probably because so they, they were low in the water and right, that choppy wave. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, right. Wow. So they towed them in. Yeah. Kevin Tony towed them in to the shore. Yeah. And we stripped their clothes off and threw our jackets on and everything. But sure they were their body temperature. The paramedics said that their body te- their core temperature was ninety two degrees. Yeah. And they were delirious. The lady was sobbing uncontrollably and couldn't walk. And the guy was naked, rolling on the... He was in his underwear, rolling in the sand on the beach and just laughing his ass off. Uh-huh. And he was... He didn't even know where yeah, he was. They didn't know... They couldn't tell you their name. They were just rolling What do we know about that, John? Whiskey. <laughs> there you go. Well, so the story. Said, Apparently, he had there. some whiskey. So they said that... Their they were their lives were saved because of that whistle. That whistle. I mean, yeah, it sounds dumb, but whistle. and the most freakish thing about it is yeah. okay. So they were there to try to repair their marriage. You know, five years and they couldn't. They were trying to repair their okay. marriage. Okay. Well, they ended up getting divorced, and a year to the date, yeah, of that, the lady was on the back of a motorcycle. The guy, the you know, different guy, got, different guy. Yeah. The guy was going up, like in uh, New York, they have these lanes, and then there's like a big sweeper that, you know, like to go off on these side roads. Yeah. yeah. He cut in front of five cars like in the inside lane to try to get ahead of five cars. Right. Got nailed. He didn't get hurt. She got killed. Final uh, destination. From the date that she got that that she was rescued from the lake. Mm-hmm. Right. Heard that was. Oh yeah. No, it was like the, those movies. What, what's those movies like? Uh, Final destination, destination brother. Yeah, Final destination. That's it. When your numbers <laughs> up, your numbers that, up. But that whistle is what saved their lives. That's pretty close. For a year. For a year. If you bought the three the three dollar whistle, you get the cheap one. If I'm ever in the desert or something like that, I mean, I am that guy that is that will die with water in my canteen. Like, I'm the guy that will try to ration my shit out. and you be die com- of thirst. <laughs> I will completely, I will, I will die of thirst with water in my canteen. Because you're Cause, rationing them. Because I'm going to ration yeah. everything. And, like, that's what I've, my whole life I've been like, okay, well, what is usable on the bike? Can I burn that? Can I use it for some sort of survival? What can I do? And it's, it, it is so, you have to be so careful when you're out in the wilds on a motorcycle. And that could be in the fucking metro parks. Because if you come down the wrong way into a 200-foot gully, nobody is going to know you're there. Do you carry a multi-tool? God damn it. I never never not have the sound of sex. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't go anywhere. I don't go swimming without a Gerber tool. Gerber. Right? I mean, like, I have nine or ten of these things I've collected over the years. That's a setup question. No, but... I carry a ceramic water filter that's this big that'll do 10,000 gallons of water. See, again. You couldn't drink that much. <laughs> I'm just saying, He's so bloated. I have a problem with like food and water. Right. I, mean, I, I always think about like if you are someplace yeah. like on a road in the middle of nowhere, yeah. Yeah. what are you going to oh, do? Yeah. So I carry dehydrated food and a way to purify water. I mean, I, this carb. thing is this big and you could pull 10,000 gallons of water. I mean, not the How does it work? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. 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 It's you got a suck scary. start. Everybody's <laughs> making the shake weight sign. Yeah, everyone's making shake weight signs. Yeah, the uh, visual jokes for a podcast. I, but that's, I mean, yeah. So be prepared. Make sure that you've got some kind of a plan. What if the situation? So if you're not sure what you would do in the situation, if you're not sure what you should do in the situation, research it. Figure the fuck out. 
you know, talk to a friend who's a paramedic. If you haven't had an update on any training in a really, really long time, take a goddamn class. You know, understand what you should do. The ABC thing is totally different than it was 20 years ago. That the priorities on training, the priorities on being a first responder have changed because we have gotten better at it. You know, it's a big, big thing for us. Not always the horrific crashes that can get you into trouble either. Yeah, yeah, that's no shit. Like you said, I mean, running out of gas even could get you in. Well, location, 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 right? Right, it doesn't have to be an accident to get you into a survival situation. It could be a flat tire in the middle of somewhere that you don't know how to repair, you don't have the right tools to repair. Right. Has anybody been lost in the woods? Oh, yeah. Yep. That's a scary It's feeling. a scary fucking feeling. I, you know, when I was a kid and we were hunting and stuff, yeah. and you, you realize that you don't know where the fuck you're going. Oh, yeah. And you then you realize you've walked in a circle once, and you're like, oh. You can figure out what side of the tree the moss is growing on and then realize it doesn't mean shit. Yeah, I carry a compass. Know? And then all of a sudden it starts snowing. Again, if you don't like, know how to yeah. use it, a compass just is something you found in Cracker Jacks. And a thousand-gallon water. And a thousand-gallon water. But if you keep your phone on you, Right, and you have any kind of device that'll, you're good. Yeah, well, until your phone dies, until your phone dies. Right. Yeah, you can charge it off the bike if you're right. properly prepared. Right, that's a that's a thing too. So just mm-hmm. make a, well, make yourself aware of your situation. Yeah. Properly maintain your battery. Hey. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it, man. That's all hey. I got. So I'm sure if anybody has any things they'd like to add, because I know we just touched some of the high spots, you get in touch with us by uh, sending us an email at clevelandmoto at gmail and uh, if you have anything else, uh, we, we'd like to hear about it. Were we yeah. supposed to like do tech tips again or something like we that? We did a giant tech tip. The tech okay. tip was getting your bike started. Okay, I just wasn't you, sure if we were yeah, like, reiterating. Okay. Yeah, we, that's cool. We're going to say that yeah. again. Right. I don't think we need to give them any more than two and a half hours. I mean, John DeVive. John, John DeVive. Right? That's it. And, and, our, and his friend Jim Connors. <laughs> that's it. Uh, if, if nobody has anything else, they can ride fast and take chances. Yeah, couldn't get there quick enough. Hit it.